cheque mi barrita ushun, cheque, cheque mi taushun, y te huere, huere, y te huere, huere, y te ushun, y te huere, huere, y te huere, huere, y te huere, huere, Okay, hello everybody. Welcome. Welcome once again to Ancestral Eyes. Tonight we have our esteemed guest, Baba Ifasaye, who is a priest of Ifa a religious practice of the Yoruba people. He was also given the title of Oba, which means king. And I would like to just read a little bit about him, what we had posted on our page on Ancestral Eyes, just to give you a little bit of background before I get to dive in and ask all the questions, all right? And this time I'm gonna be polite and I'm gonna turn around and I'm gonna say, Jean Jerome, go ahead. <laughs> Say your hellos. Uh, boy, everyone. <laughs> Welcome. It's very, very, very happy to have uh, Baba Fassier with us uh, this evening. He's uh, my brother, my friend, a mentor, and uh, very, very honored uh, that he's uh, joining us here on Ancestral Eyes, where we're going to Absolutely. talk a little bit more about the Ifaorisa practice and the indigenous practices of West Africa, not just Nigeria and among the Yoruba, but also uh, West Africa in terms of Benin a bit and Togo. So welcome, everybody. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Okay. So I will start and read a little bit about the description here. So Baba Fasaye began his formal comparative religious study in 1998. For over 20 years now, he has diligently served his community as a healer, diviner, educator, and steward of indigenous spiritual traditions. Before becoming a respected leader in the tradition, he underwent many years of study and practice as an Ifa priest, which is also known as a Baba Lao. Communicating with the spirit of destiny within Ifa, which is referred to as Oromula, in order to divine a person's destiny, and when needed to make any edits or changes to the person's destiny through ritual or what we refer to as Igbo. As a leader within this culture and tradition, he is also specialized in various other forms of divination such as mirror and water gazing, Kari divination and other mystical spiritual disciplines in order to assist devoted seekers to find working solutions to many of life's various challenges. And also, I just wanted to make mention that within this worship and throughout your comparative studies, you have taken 28 trips to West Africa, including Nigeria, the Republic of Benin and Togo, for the pur purposes of initiation and religious study. Yeah. Very impressive. I'm impressed. So I can't wait to start asking the questions. All right, so let me just put this out of the way. So once again, welcome, Baba Fasaye. I get to interview you. Well, so does Jean Jerome, but I'm always the first one. <laughs> so my first 
thing that I wanted to ask you within that 28 years or 23 years of study back in 1997, I believe Mm -hmm. um, you were a healer diviner, but there was a mention of you being a steward or the stewardship of indigenous belief systems. What are those belief systems? Um, And can you elaborate a little bit on um, the Ifa, Ogboni, Orisha worship? Sure. Okay. Um, So uh, I started off uh, initially, uh, you know, I had some teachers from some other traditions besides just uh, West African tradition. I studied, uh, I studied with with the Taoist priest uh, who's already long since uh, passed. He's already gone back home uh, to the ancestors. But I studied with him for for a long period of time, and uh, and trained in different aspects of you know exorcism and different forms of sorcery uh, within those systems as well. And uh, and then I was also initiated as a priest in uh, Tibetan Buddhism in uh, the Nyingma and uh, Kagyu schools of Tibetan Buddhism. And uh, nice. One of my teachers had, uh, you know, years and years of, you know, studying with them and training and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, uh, lots of, you know, mantra, sadhana and, and things of that nature. Uh, he had shared with me that it would be beneficial to go and do some research into different African, you know, practices. You know, of course, he wasn't like familiar with, you know, difference between North Africa, South Africa, West Africa or whatever, just said, you know, listen, you know, you're, you know, you're an African, uh, you're an African man, you should look into, you know, seeing what mm-hmm. some spiritual practices that come out of Africa are because you'll see that many of these things are, are are very interconnected, you know, that there's a lot of commonalities, a lot of similarity with these practices, different names, maybe different names for deities or rituals or things like that. But we're all trying to accomplish some similar things. And since it's part of your ancestry, you should go see mm-hmm. some of what your ancestors are doing and incorporate that into Absolutely. your view and your, and your practice of how you do what you do. So you know, I started off in terms of like indigenous, you know, practices of being a steward, you know, being, you know, responsible for upholding, you know, these traditions in a, in a good, responsible and, you know, respectful way. Obviously, I'm not Tibetan. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Asian, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the stewardship, as my teachers had shared with me, was about maintaining whatever practice it is that you do in a respectful manner, you know, upholding the integrity uh, of, of what those practices are and, and really you know, respecting the cultures of where it comes from with also a perspective of understanding how to facilitate changes and how to progress things going forward. So that led to my trips, you know, later on, you know, studying, you know, different things with, you know, with Ifa. There was actually uh, in Iyala Risha, Risha Priestess of Gimunja, uh, who was the one who started me <laughs> on the path of Ifa Risha. Uh, my first name she gave me was Baba Tunde. Uh, Baba Tunde means the father returns. So okay. uh, she was a librarian in uh, in Colorado, and so oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> this was when I was in private practice for Chinese medicine. So I have a de- I went to grad school for for acupuncture, Chinese medicine, things like that, herbal healing. Uh, graduated awesome. in two thousand one. I graduated from that, so almost twenty years ago now. Um, and so she started working with me. She actually would come to me for treatments. <laughs> so that's how I met her. <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> the 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 ancestors had sent her to to come and see me for getting some treatments. And so she started mm-hmm. talking about more of the tradition and the practice and so on and so forth. And so, you know, really you should really look more into this and, you know, this would be another avenue for you to explore. And this was after my yeah. t- llamas, my teachers, my masters had told me, this is what you need to do. I was like, well, where do I start yeah. that at? And so 
interesting enough, you know, the universe facilitated, right? It provided. I was just going to say, nothing happens without a meaningful coincidence, right? <laughs> exactly. What's that? You call it what? Uh, what's that? They call it separate serendipity, right? So. Or synchronicity? I don't know. Whatever. Absolutely, yeah. it was, and it certainly was. It was a synchronous, you know, event of, of how everything came together. And uh, and so then you know subsequently you know I, I made the first trip to West Africa you know of course was to uh, to Nigeria uh, to go and perform my Ifa initiations into the priesthood uh, mm -hmm. some people some former friends uh, out to Nigeria to go do the initiation and then to come back home and you know start working mm -hmm. on studying more and you know just understanding more about what makes mm -hmm. Ifa. Ifa with you know Orisha, Ogboni, you know these different, basically like different practices inside of like the main cosmology of Yoruba spiritual African traditional religions, right? Okay. And uh, and so you know they you know people started sharing me like the first thing people said to me they said you know people would always like, kind of break down Ifa's like an acronym right IFA right the Indigenous Faith of Africa. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so some people say Ifa is just simply the wisdom of nature. Right, so Ifa is about you know. So if Ifa is, you could say that uh, Ifa is a is a system that's uh, that's it, it teaches it's beautiful lessons uh, veiled in allegory that describe mm -hmm. the human condition, describe how things come into existence, and so mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's sort of a, a you know a, a, a generalized way of explaining it. But we're looking at how things come into existence in the universe. How do things come mm -hmm. into existence? What is my relationship with this? You know, what is my destiny in relation with how things are coming into existence? Understanding what the place of our ancestors, what they have in our lives as well, uh, with mm -hmm. some of the Risha, which are like considered to be like, you know, they're 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 spiritual beings, but they're also considered to be like elevated ancestors. So what's their role? Like av avatars? Would you call them avatars? You could say something like that. Yeah, as you could say okay. like similar to avatars. I mean, it's a good comparison. I mean, basically. The, the, the principle behind an Orisha is we're talking about a deity, we're talking about people who at one time, this is according to the Yoruba perspective, right? So there's a lot of perspectives, but just saying the Yoruba perspective, they believe, or they say that the Irumale, these primordial beings came from heaven to the earth. And when they came here, they uh, these different primordial beings, Obatala, Shango, different, so on and so forth. When they came here, they, they helped to develop humanity. And when they and they helped to create human beings, when they started recognizing different humans who had certain traits or certain aspects or certain affinities with different ones of these primordial beings or these immortal or primordial beings, they began to take them in and initiated them into various schools and cults of their mysteries. Now, when these they went back to heaven, now you had a priesthood established of their mysteries of men and women who were serving these particular deities and have been invested with different knowledge and abilities and powers mm -hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. When these humans passed away at a later point in time, it, after, as a result of their meritorious works, works of you know, mm -hmm. piety, doing good deeds in the community, maybe they made like a very big name for themselves. They later on would become elevated to become an Orisha, meaning their consciousness was said to merge with that of the conscious of the original or primordial being. But because right. their mission was here on the earth, many times they chose to remain here on the earth realm in order to help all of humanity attain what they refer to as the condition. So to help all humans. Okay. They're, they're like bodhisattvas. If I went like I used a, a Buddhist perspective, they're they're like bodhisattvas. They're they're people who are very okay. realized, 
or spirits that yeah. stayed on the earth plane to help us. Right, right. That's awesome. Oh my God. So you went straight to Africa. Wow. Instead yeah. of like staying within, you know, within America and looking for someone to initiate, to initiate you into EFI, you went straight to Africa. I love that. I, I think that's awesome. Why not? Was, you know, you guys will take a trip out and, and get a chance to experience it and see how they do it back home. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really, really like that. Now, could you tell us a little bit about, um, so we've touched touched upon Ifa and Orisha. Could you tell us a little bit about the Agboni practices and um, how that offers the broader community that you serve, okay, mm -hmm. through um, rituals um, and healing? Are they similar to the Orisha and Ifa practices? Um, so just kind of Lead sure. us through that if you could. So, it's a good question. So it depends, and it depends on who you ask. <laughs> okay, we're asking you, yeah, so, <laughs> and you're robust, so we're taking yeah. your word. <laughs> so I've I've been exposed to many different sides or you know perspectives about how the Oboni is seen. Some places in West Africa, whether you're talking about Nigeria, if you're talking about Togo or Benin or Ghana or things like mm -hmm. that, they're they're depending upon you know, what village you're in or so on, their perspectives behind what Ogboni is, how it came about and so on differs. You know, it's like any other denomination, you know, you know, everybody has a slightly different perspective or understanding, mm -hmm. maybe some mm -hmm. things that are unique where they have some things that are like their own personal, you know, culture that's involved in it. So Ogboni mm -hmm. is like a society of men and women. It's a, 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 a considered to be like a confraternity. We say fraternity, we're just talking about it being male, right? So it's a confraternity. Uh, so of men and women who come together to venerate and worship Mother Earth that they refer to as Onile or Onile or Bodura. And so okay. um, uh, we, we come together, we, we, we venerate the Earth as the, uh, as, as like the, the, pri the primary uh, ancestor, because there's many verses in Ifa that talks about how Onile or Mother Earth is the first ancestor. And at one time she was alone. She was by herself. He fought all this in Ejiobe. And so she prayed to Olodumare for humans to come and live here on the earth mm -hmm. to keep her company so that she wouldn't be alone. So in Ogboni, we worship and we revere Mother Earth. And we come together uh, to, 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 to basically to, to work with and to worship the divine feminine, right? Which is how we all got Perfect. here. Right? Exactly. Like the God, like. Our Mother Earth, Gaia. Okay, exactly. she's a living, breathing entity within exactly. herself. Exactly. That's how I always look at her. Yes. So that's how I refer to to Mother Earth. I love it. I love it. I think it's that's the thing. Great. Some people call it Aie. Some people call it, you know. Some people you know say Onile. Like, in other words, like there's there's a there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of words that are used to refer to 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 the Earth or to describe how you know how these things you know came about. You know, we just say Onile. There's a lot of like aliases and other words. Like when we get into like worshiping and doing things in, you know, in the temple, there's other like praise names that we'll use, you know, for worshiping Onile. And so there's different things that represent Onile. There's some icons that they refer to as Edan, which are like a joint pair. You can see pictures of it on the internet. I'm not saying anything that people haven't seen. You can look it up. There, you know, there's like a paired, uh, paired bronzed uh, uh, images. That's our way. It's it's one of our ways of being able to connect uh, with Mother Earth and to to venerate. Uh, there are some systems of divination that are inside of Voboni. A, a lot and of her? 
Hmm? And herbs, yeah. Herbs. Yes, I, so, I would think healing, yeah. Because, because we're talking about like, you know, earth worship, then you have to have <laughs> herbs and things like that. You know, so there's spiritual baths. But, you know, there, some people say that Oboni is like a society of men and women that also maybe have some different occult powers, different gifts. Some people have clairvoyance. Some people have clairaudience, clairsentience. Some right. people considered to be like, part of like different societies like Iamis or, you know, whatever, things like that of that nature. So basically in Oboni, the principle of Oboni is that you have men and women who have different skill sets, different traits, different abilities, different gifts, God-given gifts. Some of them is with gifts that they, they've, they've developed and crafted over years that all come together to worship Mother Earth together. And at different times in worship, there may be different people who may have different gifts from whatever their spiritual practice that they bring into to make the Oboni stronger. Everybody's mm -hmm. their, 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 their skills or their ashe, their power to all right. come together. So maybe you have somebody who's Orisha, somebody else who's Ifa, somebody else who only does Oboni, you know, maybe somebody else who's some sort of shamanic tradition, other cultures, they all come together inside of Oboni for worship because they feel like everybody's skill sets and ashe or powers makes everyone right. stronger together inside of Oboni. Absolutely. So mediums, in other words, are, are part of all of that as well, yeah, right? Absolutely. Awesome. I like it. I think that's really good. Okay. That's great. Answered my question. Now, the other thing too, um, I'm going to ask you about your other divination systems. Um, you, uh, from what I read here, it was mirror, water gazing, cowrie divination. Well, I know cowrie divination has a lot to do with Ifa, yeah. but tell me a little bit about the uh, mirror and water gazing and, and how that works and, you know, how you incorporated all of that or how did you get started on that? Where, where was the training for that? I got initially exposed to water gazing from my Taoist teacher. He was the first person who shared with me about really? your gazing. Wow. He also shared with me about reading tea leaves, uh, you know, reading, looking into the water to read. There's a lot, mm -hmm. you know, there's in different practices, you know, throughout uh, Southeast Asia and, and places yeah. like, you know, there are different practices that deal with things that they refer to as dream yoga, which are ways to be able to engage in certain spiritual practices and to okay. develop the, the fruit of a spiritual practice through one's dream state as well. So there's certain things that a person does in the dream state and things you learn how to do for how to bring certain things from the dream state into, into right. physical, the physical world. So when I went right. back to Nigeria, you know, and, and, and went to Ghana and Togo and Benin, everybody doesn't do it. But I had opportunity to see that there also are people in West Africa who also do, you know, water gazing. Some people who also gaze into mirrors to be able to see right. what's going on. Right. The, the principle is 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 similar. It's a very very similar principle, but it's just coming from their particular cultural construct or mm -hmm. you know the perspective mm -hmm. behind you know how they grew up in their community and and how mm -hmm. they were mm -hmm. in that. So a, a a lot of people that I met in West Africa, you know, when they would share different things with me and, and I, cause I asked a lot of questions. I would say, Hey, what about this? Do you guys do this? Do you guys do that? And so on. Oh, no, I don't do that. But I know this other, yeah, she does this or this Baba does that or whatever. And so they would yeah. introduce different people who had you know, nice. different, different abilities and things like that. 
I saw a lot of I saw a lot of overlap. So some things, you know, I, I, I certainly got exposed and trained in some aspects of it in West Africa. But because I had already had a, you know, a fairly good grasp or perspective right. on it, it right. wasn't like it was something that I was brand new that I hadn't been exposed to. So I have to right. like do this all over again. It was more like an exchange. A different, yeah. a different perspective or aspect of it yeah. that you haven't seen. Exactly. You know, it's amazing when I think about, you know, all these other cultures, because we, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking mirror water gazing. I, mm -hmm. I'm thinking more in the terms of your traditional kind of witch, you know, Celtic witch and Slavic witch, whatever. But anyway, you just think it's that, but yet there's all these other cultures. I mean, it really goes to show that we are so connected as a people through this entire planet, you know, that of course we're going to have all of that in all different cultures, you know? So I think we I have, don't know. we're all, awesome. I mean, I, I met a Babalawa one time that, uh, and just, just to add to what you're saying, I met a Babalawa one time that can read Odubifa off of a person's pumps. <laughs> and he literally, wow. right, let me look at your pump. <laughs> And I held my palm, and he, you know, depending upon the lines and the way the lines showed up inside the palm, oh, this Odu is uh, Oyeku, so-and-so, so-and-so, and we flip it this way, and literally, I kid you not, with uh, the with, with people that I brought out with me to Nigeria, he was telling people of all these things that were going on inside of their life. Oh, you're having this and this, and there's no way that he could have possibly known that. But he showed wow. us a Now, that doesn't mean everybody in Nigeria, everybody in Ifa does that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, palmistry, yeah. Ifa. Yeah, it was, it, but it, it was his way of, however, maybe one of his grandfathers, one of his yeah, aunts, yeah. someone had passed on that knowledge and that skill set to him. And, you know, and yeah. of course, when we saw it in application, we couldn't deny that he certainly had something there because he didn't throw Pele. He didn't use any standard tools of Babalao. <laughs> he just looked at the palm and literally could see Odu wow. and be able yeah. to tell people what was happening. So I, I thought that was really fascinating because. I would have never thought that would be inside of the practice. No, no kidding. You know, the more I learn about Ifa, the more I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, it, it, it just, I don't know. It surprises me all the time. So I like it. So, okay. So now I'm going to go on and ask you with regards to your initiation as a Babalao, mm -hmm. you went straight to Africa for yeah. that, right? Correct. As opposed to being here in America. Okay. Right. So... Now, when you were going back, your trips to Africa, mm -hmm. um, this was to, to achieve what? Were you to further your study with Ifa? I mean, once you were initiated as a Babalao, right? Mm -hmm. um, you kept going back because you had many trips going back. So what was the purpose of that? Was it to further study Ifa? So, you know, uh, so when I got initiated to Ifa, you know, I wanted to know more about, you know, the practice, more understand, you know. So let me just backtrack. A teacher of mine a long time ago, before Ifa, had told me, in all things you do, you need to establish view and practice first. Before you can engage in the practice, you need to understand, you need to establish your view. Who am I? How did I get here? What am I here to do? What's my destiny? You know, all those things, you need to establish the view. And the view is unique for every person, right? But in any spiritual right. practice, you look at the view first. Now, when you have the view of those things and you've done the introspection, then now you can mm -hmm. start saying, let me begin to uh, develop the, the practice or start to engage in the practice from there. So, you know, uh, I went, you know, did a lot of trips to Nigeria to go basically for myself 
you know, I know a lot of people have different reasons they like to go. You know, some African Americans, some people go because they want to connect, you know, more with the culture there and whatever. And that's certainly right. very important. That's their ancestral yeah. roots. You know, exactly. It's our ancestral, you know, our ancestral roots. But you know, uh, many of us, myself included, like my ancestry is not just from Nigeria, right? So I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not Yoruba. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't born in Nigeria. I'm not Yoruba. A lot of my right. ancestors were from the Congo. You know, uh, many of my ancestors you know, we're from Togo and different places. Like I have a small amount of, you know, Yoruba <laughs> ancestry. So I wanted to kind of see, like do some research because that's what I've done most right. of my life. You know, I mean, my parent, my family's African-American. Most of my ancestors, you know, many of my right. ancestors are all buried here. So I've, I'm very comfortable in, in who I am as a person here. So I wanted to see like, well, how do they do things in different parts of, of West Africa? Okay, well in this village, what do they do yeah. when they do this? Okay, Abiyokuta, mm -hmm. ah, they do Ifa. And meet different Babalawos, Yanifas, Orisha priests, see some different nuances behind how they did this. They would share little tidbits yeah. with me that I they nice. say, oh, go to this person here in Oshobo and go to see this and, and so I, I went to go do because like my bio says, I, I I'm engaging comparative study of religion. Right. So right. I study right. all religions. That's just me. I like to study all religions. So I wanted to see what do all places do? Like what are the things they have in common? <laughs> what are some of the things that they do differently? And I found right. that depending on what village you went to in different place, everybody had a different perspective. This place say, oh, we do we do this ritual with Oshun with this and this. We give her yeah. the thing. We give her snail or whatever, e-bean. Another village would say, oh, we never give that to Oshun. It's a big taboo. We don't do this. So, okay. So yeah. I, I, I wanted to get more of a perspective behind what were the underlying concepts and principles the the, the 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 cosmology the the view of people throughout all of West Africa not just Nigeria not just Benin not just Togo but like if we're talking about African consciousness or we're talking about indigenous consciousness right because it's not just right. African right. what are these unifying concepts that everybody has and I also wanted to see if there was any overlap any similarities with things that I had already studied and already had been initiated to mm -hmm. with what I would find in different parts of West Africa. Right. And it gives you there was a lot of things that were common and a lot of things that were different. So it gave you definitely a, a, a broader perspective, yeah. right? With a few nuances there sure. in, in, in that, right? Yeah. So now that's going to lead me into my other question. Mm -hmm. So you having experienced these other parts of Africa, obviously, and getting to understand the different belief systems in that, mm -hmm. you becoming a king, an Oba, okay? How, like, what does that mean when you were given that title, Oba? Was it strictly because of your studying or did you have to undergo like another initiation, like a Baba Lao, you know? So, you know, is it more spiritual as opposed to something that is given to you strictly as a title because of your studies? I think it can be all those things, depending upon the person. I think it can be a combination. It can be any, any or all of those things for myself. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I, because I had traveled, you know, I mean, I, you know, 28 trips back and forth to West Africa. Usually I would be in West Africa anywhere between, you know, two months to three plus months at a time. Right. So it's a long time to be away. You know, wow. stuff yeah. in one place, maybe hang out with these priests 
or you know different folks for maybe a couple of weeks here, or maybe three, four weeks here, and then go to another place and study. You know, and, and, and you know, building and developing because you know in, in West Africa, uh, and, and a lot of times Babalawos, for example, will study with somebody for say a certain period of time. They have some sort of apprenticeship with somebody for a prescribed period of time. After that, then they'll go to a different village. They learn this. They go to a different village. They learn over here. So it's like years and years of study, but they usually have like several master teachers. And as time goes by, when they now begin to go into practice, their practice may reflect having studied with multiple masters. And now it's like, this is their, their, their way of how, how they do their lineage, right? Their, you know, that they brought all these things together, right? So they can bring their own thread together. Yeah. In so other words, their own path. It's like, so it's like you're unifying all these things, but you're developing your own. Your, your own, right? Your own brain. It's like being a doctor. You know, you, you intern right. with this person, you intern with this other doctor, this other physician, whatever, before you go into practice, right? To develop right. perspective and training. So when I did became, you know, installed as an OBA, uh, I did go through an initiation, right? Um, you know, there was nine days of what they call Ipebi, which is what they call it in, in, in Nigeria. Uh, and they call it that in Benin and other places. And, you know, it's, it basically just means that like, it's like a period of isolation. It's a period of confinement right. where you're, you're where you go through different mystical journeys and uh, different types of, of of secret rituals that take place with with other deities and other orishas, uh, you know, with, with with other spiritual forces. And certain things mm -hmm. are introduced to you. Different things are done to your body physically. Uh, different mm -hmm. mysteries that you're mm -hmm. initiated to as well, mm -hmm. and some different mm -hmm. types. Of, I guess you could call it ashe or spiritual. Uh, spiritual gifts energies yeah. that are infused inside of the person's body. So I went through, you know, over a week of, of rituals of things that were done sometimes day and night. They like wake up super early, take bath. Uh, okay. We go here. Now we do this and that and, and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when all that was completed, uh, then there was a time when I was brought before a dozen, uh, 12 other Obas that, uh, that were there to confirm. They consulted with Tifa. Um, right. You know, ask Ifa. Okay, what's the what does Ifa say about the ritual we did for this person? And Ifa cast for me. Ifa cast Ejobe. So everybody in Ifa who knows what Ejobe is, Oban Ifa. Ejobe is the first Odu of Ifa. He's singer in Ifa. So my 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 Odu as an Oba was Ejobe, the first the first wow. that gives birth to all the other signs. And so they say, ah, wow. we, ah, we know this person. We've done this, you know, so on and so forth. The different Obas ask me different questions and things like that. Uh, you uh -huh. know, different things that were taught to me. They shared other things with me as well. And then they confirmed me. And then after that, then there was a whole other series of, you know, things you have to do ritually and then the presentation before the community. It may be done differently for different people, maybe in different villages. Maybe they just refer the title to my, you know, to my knowledge for myself. Uh, there were some, you know, very, uh, very difficult, <laughs> very difficult rituals. And, and and like it, it, it is like an initiation. Sometimes they call it a right. Oba, they call him Inikejorisha, which means like one who's also like a living embodiment of Orisha. So okay, that was so what it. I so it really so the kingship and Oba is really initiatory rather than you know casting a ballot and electing you. Right. It's kind of like when I'm thinking king, you know, or something or by birthright. Right. Or something like that. So it's really an initiatory and, process. And it, and, it, and it can be like elected, like if somebody was an Oba, for example, like there's different types of Obas in, in African culture. 
in, in so West African culture. There's like an Oba of a traditional village. They can be somebody okay. who's an Oba inside of Ifa. There's somebody who can be an Oba inside of Oboni. Huh? They can be somebody who's an Oba inside of Orisha. So there's a lot of different, so it's like you have political Obas, <laughs> you have religious Obas, you, you know, you oh. have, and so for example, somebody can have a son, this Oba of this village passes on, he goes back home to the ancestors. And then later on, if he has a son or daughter, they would inherit the throne. So for me, okay. I was told, because when I when I did my rituals, they did divination, told me that my ancestors before me, where I came from a royal family, my, you know, my, my ancestors were, were Oba, were kings and so on. And so I was asked to come back to re to reinstall into the the, right. the titles and the ashe the the you know the the blessings and royalty that was part of my of family. So it was to to to, to reclaim those things uh, that had been uh, part of my family's lineage from you know long time ago. Wow, wow, <laughs> I love it. You know, you here you go to Africa and you really get to your ancestral roots, right? Yeah, I love that. So, <laughs> it's not you say, hey, I want to become an Oba one day when I grow up. So <laughs> it just kind of happened. Like who does that, right? Okay. <laughs> oh my God. But 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 I think it's very it's very important to, to know in in Baba uh, Fasi's uh, situation a few things. One is again that this journey and and you know twenty eight trips, you know staying you know two three months at a time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, receiving initiations in in different lineages, and in mm -hmm. different uh, Orisha as well. Because, uh, but in case of Baba Fasi, he's also been initiated to many Orishas to his head. Yeah, maybe 20, is, maybe twenty-five plus Orishas I've done Idoshu to my head. So that's a lot. So, <laughs> so okay. which is basically taking the spirituality of those Orishas and putting it to live together and and, and basically co coexist with one's Ori, one's Joto, and one's Emi, right. one's spirit. Mm -hmm. So that that's you know when you see that effort and all that, you can right. see the, the trajectory. And again, the 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 spiritual aspects, right? It's a it's a reclaiming of a spiritual right. legacy of a spiritual history that transcends right. just one culture. Because again. His, although many of his trips were to Nigeria and into different parts of uh, the Yoruba territory in terms of Oyo, uh, Ileife, uh, Oshobo, mm -hmm. and just to name a few. The list goes on. That's but, but, but also that he went to, you know, Benin and, and Togo. you know, and, and, and Togo, right? Uh, so it, it's right. a very interesting, right, uh, trajectory and always... Right. To rescue right. a, a spiritual tradition, right? Right. Not, not so much a you know a political or or a social uh, situation, but really no. like to to get in spiritual. very deeply into the mysteries to to train with the Babalas. Absolutely. Then, you know, practice the Babalas and then impart that knowledge and transfer that knowledge to the community uh, and and serving his community in the United States, right? So. It's a very interesting uh, journey, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in anything, you know, particularly these types of practices, you know, whatever. I think that everybody likes to try, you know, I, I, you know, at least at their core, people are always trying to find out more about themselves. They want to learn more about who they are, right. you know, what their purpose is. So for me, in addition to more research and things like that, like you know, like my goal wasn't to go to Nigeria to try, or or West Africa or Benin or Togo to try to like rescue or to be, you know, you know, you know, say to, 
you know, preserve different traditions, things like that. Because I'm not from West Africa and, and, the, and there's already people there, there's a thriving culture there. They don't need me to come in to, to, to rescue them, right? They, they're already, they've already yeah. got that. So right. for me, the, the, the goal was really finding out more about myself, understanding more about what I'm here to do, what my goals and my, my strengths and skills are, and to find out how do I put those things you know, into action. You know, in other words, developing more uh, self-knowledge, but also developing mm -hmm. more wisdom, right? Because if you look at wisdom, right? Wisdom, if you break it down, mm -hmm. logically, you have a wise mm -hmm. dome. So if you have wisdom, a wise dome, that means you have a wise head. So right. you get wisdom through developing enough knowledge, right? So you acquire the knowledge and then you learn how to apply the knowledge. So when you learn how to apply the knowledge, mm -hmm. then you develop wisdom, which is a constant mm -hmm. ongoing thing that we're always striving for wisdom. So awesome. I, love I love that definition. Wisdom. Right. I love it. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. So now I'm going to ask you, like you, like you just finished saying, so there you are. Obviously, you're not going to stay in Africa and suddenly become the king and, and whatever. They've got their own established yeah. culture. So how does that translate to you in America? Okay, so you're now given the kingship and you're an Oba. How does that translate to you here in America? So the title I received as an Oba was uh was was at, uh, also it was, so it was specifically as the the leader of of my temple of my association that i have as well of uh, the community uh of you know priests and priestesses and chiefs that i preside over uh you know internationally you know i have people you know we have i have people in uh, in europe and mm -hmm. germany and spain and you know and you know throughout various parts of the afghanistan different parts of the world uh, that I go and, you know, do work with and do teachings and things like that and preside, you know, over the community in, in right. the best way, you know, that I can to teach and to empower others mm -hmm. uh, to do things that are, you know, that are, that are part of their destiny as well. And so, mm -hmm. you know, so obviously, you know, we live in America, right? So you don't, you don't have anybody, even the president is a king, is not a king, right? He's an elected official. <laughs> so America obviously exactly. has, its own, has its own sovereignty, right? Nobody can establish. We talk about kingship and things like that in West African culture. Many times these are people who are like rulers of towns and, and things like that. And so when I received this position or this, uh, uh, this title through the initiation of Oba, specifically with the authority and the, the Ashe to be able to uh, facilitate change and to be a custodian of the tradition and to be uh, an overseer of, uh, of the praxis within my, specifically within my jurisdiction of people who come to me to work with and so on and so forth and to build people in a, in a, in a, in a positive way. But specifically, you know, any, any title, anything you do in Africa, if you're an Oba, this place, everybody operates within their own jurisdiction. So my jurisdiction mm -hmm. is not, you know, of, you know, taking of, of the whole, you know, the whole country. It's specifically, I live in America. So I have Oba in America because I live here, right? Can't be an Oba in Africa, but specifically within my uh, with, within my association that we've established and that we founded here uh, in the United States. Right. So that's your your spiritual beliefs and it's put into an, an association. So let me mm -hmm. just let me understand this as an ex banker. OK, because I got to you know, I got to put that out. All right. I'm translating because I see association. We're going from sure. king to association. So basically you are the president and founder of your own legal entity like your own corporation right Ile al 
I can't yeah, pronounce the word. Orisha basically means like Orisha White House. It's okay. what that means in Yoruba. It just refers to the purity and the, the, the cleanliness of our hearts and of our life and our conduct, right speech, right action, right thoughts, the things that we right. try for in our day-to-day -day life. So we run a temple, we run an organization here that has registered nonprofit uh, organizational aspect. Okay, so you are a corporation, right? Un, you know, under your own corporation and you operate under the laws of your country in America, right? Yeah. Obviously, cool. you're a corporation, so you're going to operate under your laws, right? Yes, yeah, we're operating right. under our own authority, under our own jurisdiction. We have a constitution that guides what we do. Absolutely. All of our members who come and join our, you know, our, our association, you know, and our in our in our group, all read the constitution, which basically describes how we do what we do, what our outlook is. We're not seeking to supplant anyone in West Africa. We're not supplanting anyone here in America. We're not trying to dominate anyone. Why Just saying you? we are is what we do. This is, you know, this is this is how we're this is how we're doing things. You know, Absolutely. we want to conduct ourselves in a good way. Yoruba, they call it Iwapele. We're respectful of everybody of all races, creeds, colors, backgrounds, all right. those things. Right. You know, any organization, most organizations usually have like a handbook or guideline, a constitution of how the organization is run. And so, you know, we have a we have a similar thing. Most churches have yeah. that as well. That says, hey. I, I was just going to say that. I was going to say other churches have to have that, right, in order to operate and, yeah. and you know, function in America. So why would you not? Obviously. Okay. We, we so, have to do that here in America because I'm not saying they don't have that in different parts of West Africa, but a lot of my teachers encouraged me. They said, listen, you know, blah, blah, we do this like this here in, in this place in this village. Maybe when you get back home, you check with Ifa. You have to do some things differently because, you know, what we have here, maybe you don't have there or you don't do like this or so on. And so when you come home, check with Ifa and you have to find out how to make what your understanding of this is, how to make this livable and sustainable in, in right. the land in which you live. So for right. us, this is how we came out to <laughs> express. So to me. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna translate this the way I see it. Okay, so your association now Jean Jerome has his association, sure. Conseil Cultural do you, Yoruba do you, do Canada. of Canada. Now we also have another um, Baba Nelson in Mexico. Okay, and I'm gonna say this because so we have a Canadian association, we yeah. have an American, and we have a Mexican. So I'm going to call this the NAFTA. Here we go. All right. So, so I'm going to call this the, yeah, so the NAFTA of IFA. Okay. Mm -hmm. A strategic relationship with Mexico, Canada, and the USA. All right. So I'm calling it NAFTA of IFA. And, and, <laughs> I don't care and, what anybody else says. And, and, and I want to extend that as well to Boko Noda Fogis, Abu Male, Vodun Fa Temple in Uruguay, mm -hmm. uh, which, which right. basically works. And Ifa World Conference, Baba Nelson's uh, representative Ifa World Conference, represents a group of 18 Babalaos uh, in Mexico, United States, and, and Europe as well as uh, uh, studying with and exchanging uh, knowledge and information with a lineage in Lagos uh, in Nigeria. So uh, it's, it's uh, again, it's, it's wonderful for all of our associations. I think we have a common vision, which is to respectfully 
exchange right. ideas to uh, basically learn, you know, from the different uh, uh, lineages, from the different uh, uh, ways of practicing these indigenous belief systems of Ifa, Risa, Vodun, and being able to uh, share that. And I, th I think one, one very important thing that I see with, with Baba Fase, one of the reasons we we got along so well since the first time we we, uh, we met um, is that uh, one of the reasons that Ifa uh, survived in Cuba during the, the slave Holocaust was the ability of the Cuban ancestors uh, and that were in those cases of uh, Nigerian, uh, Yoruba, as well as Fon and other, other ethnic groups that came in successive waves of slaves brought over in the slave Holocaust their ability to survive was uh, basically their ability to adapt, mm -hmm. to not just take their, their solely their aesthetic and say, we're going to practice it just the way we practiced it or our ancestors or yeah. forefathers practiced it in, in, in Nigeria or in Benin or in Togo, et cetera, or in Mozambique or Angola, but to, to look at the essence of the spirituality and the reality of the harsh conditions and the different climate you know, social, uh, you know, a condition of slavery, education. education, and be able to adapt it. But in adapting, we, we all know that any species or anything for it to survive must be able to adapt. Mm -hmm. And I think that it, it is, it, what I find and respect very much with Baba Fazier was he wasn't trying to just bring or implant, right, a... Um, West African aesthetic or West African style of doing Ifa and just, you know, transplanted and boom into an American or uh, context, but taking the essence of the teachings, the essence of the spirituality, the essence of the divination, the essence of the right. medicine and adapting it to a, a, a different culture and a different land and a land which has its own ancestry. Yes. Right, she has indigenous ancestry, uh, First Nations ancestry that must be respected, mm -hmm. and I guess Absolutely. that leads me to to that question, um, uh, Baba Fasi, which is you know is uh, sometimes controversial, and how can I put it to you? Is definitely something which I think many uh, African Americans uh, and also African Canadians would would like to know is. In, in your search, you, you said something which is very interesting. You said you were very proud. You had a defined ancestry. You know your, your forefathers in the United States have long, proud tradition mm -hmm. uh, of hardworking uh, mm -hmm. people in the States, sure. African-Americans mm -hmm. contributing to society, having sometimes different belief systems, Christianity, and so forth. But how how is it that in your – what was your optic? Because from what, I, what I'm – from what I know about you and also from what you've again reiterated this evening, you didn't go to Nigeria looking for your African roots, but more to, you know, as the same way that you went to other tradition, you went to, to learn, to mm -hmm. reacquaint yourself, but you, you seem to have your own identity, your own, uh, you know, your feet firmly planted on U.S. soil, on okay. U.S. ground. And uh, how, 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 what is the, from your own lessons, from your own journey, personal journey and development, journey of development and personal development, 
what what message? Uh, what are the lessons you learn, and what are the messages and lessons you'd like to share with you know other um, African American and African Canadian sure. uh, people? I think everybody in anything that you do, everybody has their own reasons for why they go into things. Everybody has their own perspective, their own viewpoint. You know, some people maybe, uh, you know, want to go to West Africa to, you know, maybe to learn more about textile, more how they make fabrics and things like that. I mean, in any country, every country has things that they specialize in or things that people who are you know, local people there that, you know, that, that they do their different, you know, trades and crafts, yes. spiritual practices, religious beliefs, you know, all mm -hmm. those things, uh, you know, because I had had such a broad, you know, view, such a broad perspective, a broad training, you know, I have a lot of my family, I, you know, I have relatives of mine. One of my aunts has a huge church out in Texas. You know, she's like the pastor of a big church out there. She lays hands on people. She reads from the book of Psalms. She gets out the olive oil and she puts hands on people, you know. And I love it. You know, that's 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 part of her anointing. My father also used to be a pastor, used to be a, a, a mm -hmm. rep of the church as well. So, I mean, I grew mm -hmm. up in that. You know, I grew up in the, you know, in, in, in those mm -hmm. uh, religious mm -hmm. systems as well. Um, you know, certainly in mainstream Christianity, <laughs> things like that, bibliomancy, you know, things like that. My family yeah. would go and, you know, pray and hold the Bible and then open it. And then wherever you open it, uh, you, there's a passage here from the, the Most High. Ah, okay, we're being told, you know, so on and so forth, yes. live your life. Certainly everybody doesn't do that, but that was how I grew up. So, you know, there, there may be a, some, you know, sometimes, you know, people, different practices, maybe there's some contradictions behind things or people feel like, you know, this isn't what this other place does or whatever. You know, my parents just gave me a very broad viewpoint. My mother and my father always told me very clearly, listen, you know, if somebody does something in some place that you don't like, you don't have to do it. You don't have to open your mouth and say anything about something that you don't like. You know, there's more than one way to cook rice. Somebody likes to cook rice with water. Somebody else uses coconut milk. Somebody else uses chicken broth. Everybody cooks their rice different, right? Depending on what mm -hmm. you But at the end of the mm -hmm. day, it's, it's still cooking rice. <laughs> and you're of, still eating rice. <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of ways to do it. But if somebody does something that you don't like, then you don't have to do it in that way. But when you show up to someone else's home, when you show up into somebody else's community, then you conduct yourself accordingly, right? That doesn't right. mean that when you go there, that now you're going to take everything that you did and this other person, well, this person cooks their rice with coconut milk. So from now on, when I get home, I'm only going to cook, like, unless that's, unless you like the dish so much. And that's what you like. You're just like I really identify with that. And and every time I make rice, I only want to use, and that's okay. There's no problem. For me, I just wanted to see a lot of different expressions of what yeah. African culture was. Because African American, we talk African American culture, it's not just one thing. It's not just Yoruba. Yeah. It's not just Congo. It's yeah. not just Kong. Yeah. It's not just a homie. It's not just from Benin or from Togo. There's also influences of, you know, through various ways in which it's occurred. Many of us have European ancestry and things like that. Some of us may have some Hispanic ancestry. Some of us have Native American ancestry, you know, all mm -hmm. those things. So for me, I wanted to experience what I felt was an embodiment of the viewpoint of many African peoples. And what I mm -hmm. saw was that despite how everybody may or may not have done some things different, they had some similar views, similar goals, 
similar values. Everybody's trying mm-hmm. to raise their kids. Everybody's trying to pay their mm-hmm. bills. They're trying to take Absolutely. care of their home. They're trying to take care Absolutely. of their family in the best way that they that they know how to do so. Right. In some places they would divine, and the Odu of or the order of Odus would be different than a different village and whatever. And so, mm-hmm. what, I, what I took away from it was that we can all be in the same room together, and we can all disagree, and we can all have a very different viewpoint, and we can very strongly disagree, but we can mm-hmm. still work together in order to get things done. And so, right. because I've seen a lot of this, you know, in the African American community, and different, and, and and I think every community has this different challenges that we deal with. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes people can feel that to disagree with somebody means you have to be their enemy now. Because uh, I disagree with you now, you're my, it doesn't mean that. That means that only means you're at a very low vibration. That your level of understanding is very low. You don't really have proper understanding. If if you have to make somebody your enemy because somebody else doesn't understand you, then that means that's that's because of your own conditioning of something that's mm-hmm. taught you that you learn. That's a learned behavior pattern, right? So. I wanted to get to, you know, in Buddhism, they say you're always seeking to get to the source of your own ignorance. So I wanted to see what were the different things that I could use to help make things better, mm-hmm. to give me a better perspective mm-hmm. on what is the whole experience of who my ancestors were, who my family, a lot of my family's in government, some of my family's in politics, and all sorts mm-hmm. of different things. And so my family just, the way I grew up, they said, hey, go travel, like, you know, go to different yeah. World. I mean, I've been all over the world. I've been to England. I've been to London. I've been to Paris. I've been to Amsterdam. You name it, I've been there. Right. So, not just within an African perspective, but just I like people. I like to meet people. I like to get to see how different things are done. And I feel personally for myself, the more people you know, then the the better your life is, and the more resources and things that you can have. And if I Mm -hmm. connect with different people in different places, then it broadens my it broadens my my bandwidth of things that mm-hmm. I want to try to get accomplished here where I live because I know more people I'm able to tap in to different things and different cultures and different perspectives. Somebody else who's in this thing or that, not even connected to religion, but just people from different backgrounds, I can form friendships. Absolutely. People, and it makes my life that much richer. Ashe, so, ashe. That's what I took ashe. away from it. That was, that was my, my reason was I wanted to experience all these different things. And, and sometimes I like to see the contradictions behind things. It's interesting to see that because when I meet mm-hmm. the different point of view, I can see where they're coming from without having mm-hmm. to fight with them mm-hmm. or have a judgment. I can see where you're coming from. I can still stand on my own square and you at the same time, I can appreciate what somebody else has to say. Absolutely. So. It's just a different uh, perspective, you know, and there's nothing wrong with reaching out and networking with other people. I mean, this was the whole premise behind our ancestral eyes is to reach out and communicate with other belief systems. Mm-hmm. What do we have in common? What do we have in difference? And even if we're different, who cares? The point sure. is that we're all trying to do the same thing for our community to, to alleviate pain, uh, suffering, you know, um, and, and, and if we can't do it or we know someone who, let's say, specializes in something, we'll refer them there, right? Yeah. We're not going to sit here in our own little square and, and say, well, you know, I disagree with you and, and therefore that's it, you know? I mean, which, which, what does that which, which brings a very interesting, you know, uh, a different paradigm and a different way of looking at the belief system, like Ifarisa sure. and other belief systems. I mean, as, as Baba Fasseye knows, that we, we often, you know, read and on Facebook and other social media and other press releases, 
there are constant efforts on both sides of the Atlantic uh, to try to uh, harmonize or or create a, some sort of dogmatic hegemony in terms of control of the tradition. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it was never mm-hmm. like that. In reality, when you see the the, the different lineages, the different pension mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. practice, in terms of taboos, in terms of uh, ways of looking at um, uh, you know this, the 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 way the spirit world works, the cosmology, and seeing how all of these different traditions have been able to survive and, and in many cases thrive, even in the most difficult conditions, mm-hmm. it was not because they were all you're practicing the exact same thing or the exact same style, but because they were able to adapt and listen to their true ancestral messages, to listen to their guiding spirits, to their jotos, to listen to the words of Ifa, to the words of their Orisha, etc., and adapt. And and mm-hmm. that uh, basically Absolutely. is not, you know, the, the importance is that we, the only sort of common goal that we look for is respect of each other's, you know, human rights, each other's practice and right to practice Mm -hmm. in a healthy way that our practices Mm -hmm. not be used as a tool or a weapon, almost weaponized to, you know, do harm or to, uh, you know, have bragging rights or to intimidate uh, nor be intimidated, but that there is a respect, a profound respect, and recognition of our indigenous belief systems in whatever uh, lineage or, or, or vein you practice so that they can be respected in, 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 the, in the West, in the United States, in Mexico, in the Caribbean, in Brazil. As we know, many, many people are watching know there have been uh, you know, several attacks and abuses of the Candomblé yeah. community in Brazil by mm-hmm. uh, other uh, religious extremists and uh, essentially hooligans. But, but again, it's because of this uh, ignorance and uh, prejudice mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That that these things are allowed to occur, and I see enormous amounts of energy and time and resources and and media time trying to be expended to to try to have some sort of uh, you know uh, one organization to govern them all. It almost reminds me of the Lord of the Rings one one mm-hmm. ring to rule them all, right? And and but yet failing to see that as as Baba Fassier has uh, has indicated that it is really the strength is in a fellowship in a mutual respect of Absolutely. our individual and our com- and our communal missions to bring Absolutely. about development of the spirit development of our communities development of our families and that we preserve and save the next generation that yeah. is really That's the purpose of exactly. our belief right so that you don't lose your traditions. They're going to change. You're in another country. You, you are in the, the new country. You have to adapt. It comes down to just the practical terms, right? I like what um, I saw what uh, Beth Pert Weeks had um, said. Could we put that back up? Say no to homogenizing Ifa Orisha. Diversity. Good word. Exactly. Diversity is life. Okay. You can't come here and, you know, from wherever, right. And say, I have to shake this stick, this, this ebony, whatever stick three times. Ah, sorry, we don't have that stick. It's going to have to be a willow and you're going to have to shake it only two times. Right. 
whatever, right? It's not about homogenizing it. It's about accepting and adapting, all right? And it's the diversity. And I think that is important in any religious group that's coming over here or, right? trying. or anywhere. I think that's an important thing, what you both are saying. You know, in my own, in my own experience, just speaking for myself, in different places that I would go to and see different ways of doing things, Every time I would go with a different teacher or a different priest or whatever their background was, whatever it is that they were that they were serving or that they were you know uh, ordained to, uh, they would have one way of doing things. Okay, this and that and the other, and we would go to a different village, and then somebody you know did something a slightly different way. So in in my own experience, generally for the most part, if we're just talking about Ifa, Orisha, Vodun, Fa, Efa whatever you want to call it, depending on what country what country in West Africa you're talking about. For the most part, everybody, even though they quarrel with one another and argue and so on and so forth, all people do, they generally have a, a, a level of respect for everyone's varied ways of doing things, right? That's what I, I, I refer to that as sacred difference. We're respecting sacred difference. That, that, you know, right. That, Absolutely. That, that exists, right? The difference takes place. There are some differences in terms of how it shows up here, because a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, people are are new to the to these traditions. They're wanting to learn about it. They're very eager students. They're always asking a ton of questions and whatever. And some places and some cultures there in West Africa, some questions, like in in the culture, it means that you're looking to buy something. Like you're looking to be a customer. <laughs> so you know that, and so okay. you. Can, and so some, you know, so in other words, it's like, it's also about understanding how to ask the questions, understanding, you know, how to show up, how to interact with the people, you know, being really firm, you know, and mm -hmm. grounded, you know, about, you know, who and, and what you are and things like that. We, we talk about stuff like hegemony or some governing body, you know, there's certain, any organization in anything mm -hmm. and say, hey, we're the presiding group of this and that and all people have to mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. that, at the end of the day, the reality of it is this rulership. Rulership only takes place with the consent of the people. If you if the people don't consent to that, then you cannot rule over them. And rulership is not something that you do like this. It's about delegating responsibility. It's about working with people in a in a positive way. You know, we have enough examples of this already mm -hmm. on a global mm -hmm. level, even in North America. Of, of of what heavy handedness looks like, and the types of the type of feedback we get mm -hmm. from people when you're presiding in that way. You know, one of my teachers told, told me a long time ago, a martial arts teacher of mine told me a long time ago that to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower first, but you also have to be a good listener. You have to be good at hearing what people have to say. You have to be good mm -hmm. at step out of judgment and not feeling immediately offended that somebody's threatening your identity of this very fra very fragile identity that you formed about yourself and about the world and everything else. If you can't do that, then you're not ready to be a leader. And so you yeah. have to be, because you're going to hear things that you may not like. You might even hear things about yourself you don't like, or that may Absolutely. not be true, but you still have to be able to hold space for it and allow these things to coexist while still staying true to your course and, and staying mm -hmm. true to the vision and staying true to the ancestors. So, you know, I think I, I, I think at the I think in the end, I think a lot of religious traditions are trying to do that. I think when we get into like hegemony and things like this, these kind of things do exist 
maybe more so in countries that are still developing nations and, and there's still different things that they're still de- working on with their economy and things like that. Like there's certain themes that of things that show up depending upon where you get, where, where you're at, where you're interacting. You know, there's certain things that, that tend to show up when every day your life mm-hmm. is about like, how do I eat today? And that's at the forefront of your mind every single day, fight or flight, Absolutely. how do I eat? Your entire approach and your entire outlook, your entire thought process is completely different because if it's me or him, it's him. It's dog eat dog all the time. Mm-hmm. You learn it. I got to package what I do a certain way so that I can get business and money and this and that, certainly. But your outlook is very different because you don't know what's going to happen one day from the next. And so mm-hmm. we just have to be careful behind things that we do in terms of what things we model. Like One of my teachers told me a long time ago, anybody that you study with, always look at that person's life and see, is there things in that person's life that you feel that you would like to model? Is that is that somebody he lives? With you do you do you share those things? Because the more you are with somebody, the more you will become like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have to be very firm <laughs> about who you are. And Ifa talks about that, right? They refer to that as Isha. Mm-hmm. No, we're talking about that your ancestors and your mother and your father always being mm-hmm. about who your parents are, what your roots are, your maternal roots, your paternal roots. Right. If your mother's not, right. when you're solid about that, then no matter where it is that you go, there's nothing that's going to move you off your course. And, and that applies to anything in the world, any religious, not specifically or anything like that by any means. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask, and I think you probably answered it, but I'm just going to see if there's anything else you wanted to add to it. Sure. Um, Knowing how you came to follow your path was obviously your own personal um, curiosity, sure. right? And is that the only thing that made you decide to follow your path, or was there anything else that you, you know, that you sort of said, "Well, today I'm going to go to Africa," or was it just and, and I and I get, and I get the crawly the, the follow up question to that. You know, <laughs> okay, I, I mean. It's, you know, it's, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's a good question. It's a tricky question to answer because, you know, I, the, the path is not, not one it's not way a, of looking at it, right? It's not a fixed thing. You know, no. I, I practice Orisha. I practice a lot of different things. You know, I observe and I respectfully practice and hold space for many different, you know, spiritual practices. I don't, for me personally, I don't find that there's a conflict between these things. I know there are some people who are very purist and feel like if you do, if you do five, you can only, and you can't, everybody is allowed to do whatever they want to do in their own homes and live their lives in the way that they wish Absolutely. to. Absolutely. You know, a certain, and I, and you know, if you know, like for example, you're just using martial arts as a, bat, as an, as a, as a, as a parallel, because this is a big part of what I also do as well. Yeah, I'm a trainer in a lot of different martial arts systems. Every different system that I've trained in, I've trained from A to Z, from start to finish and, and different things. I can teach all these arts combined together, or I can teach the entire syllabus of each one of these systems individually, one by one, without anything else bleeding in it, because I'd have the entire curriculum behind how that whole thing is put together. It, as long as you know what the underlying foundation is and the principles behind those things, and, you, and, and, and you're doing things in a respect. Yes manner and and and, you know, and, and, right. and and with great care and with and right. with diligence and keeping the integrity of something 
then you know that first of all, if you're not if you're practicing something that is not indigenous to the that's not in the land or native to the land and where you live, you're automatically going to change. And the minute you touch something as a, as a, somebody who's not from that culture, the practice that you're doing automatically changes by default of you touching it. It's already changed because you're not you're not German, you're not this, you're not that. So as soon as you get involved in that, that practice has already changed and shifted. Slanted. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I don't I don't think in Yoruba. I don't sleep in Yoruba. I don't eat all Yoruba food. Like you know, I'm not saying I'm just you know. I don't eat all food. I don't eat all food. Fogo. I don't eat only only you know green food. So it's, it depends upon you know what you're you know what what you what you're working with you know so to speak. So for me, you know, I practice you know I practice tradition in a, in, a, in a respectful way. You know, I hold I respect sacred difference. I hold space. For a lot of different practices, I can converse with people of all these different backgrounds. So for me, the the path is a personal thing. You know, Ifa is a is a is a tool, right? It's a blueprint. It right. fits the womb of nature that comes from God right. or the High or the Grand Architect, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, so they say say Ifa is like based upon binary codes, based on ones and zeros, right? So mm-hmm. it's based. Because the, the language of the universe is mathematics. That means the language of the universe is not German. It's not Russian. It's not Chinese. It's not Filipino. It's the language of the universe because it's mathematics. That means numbers don't lie. Humans make errors all the time. But if we're dealing with pure mathematics, that's pure mm-hmm. language. Right? That's how everything everything in the universe is divinely ordered in that way. So Absolutely. if we're following and we're staying true to that premise, that's how you stay on path. So if I, is about giving you these insights and these tools that allows you to know if you're still on your path. <laughs> My path is everybody else's path. <laughs> and somebody right. else's mine, path another. Yeah. And mine right? is individual Everybody too. It has a different path. So we can have, we might intersect with one another like branches on a tree and have this intersection where we all have this connection. So we all have the connection because we're all on the same planet. But yet we all splinter in these different ways, but yet we're still connected to the same tree that still has the same roots in the, in the same earth. So Absolutely. no matter what you, where you go, there you are, right? So yes. that was, yes. for me, that, that was my path. It was just about always remaining a seeker, always remaining somebody who wants to learn, mm-hmm. always remaining somebody that, that likes to meet and interact with different people. You know, folks in West Africa say, hey, this man's a king. He's an Oba, you know, and so on and so forth. That's great. I appreciate it. I have that. I respect yep. it. I keep it. And it's a very, it's a very important thing, you know, and so forth. But what I'm saying is this, like, for instance, if we talk about things like that, nobody in Africa made me to become a king. You either are or you're not. The ritual is just simply to ordain and to consecrate with the deities and the ancestors and so on and so right. forth what you already were. Nobody anybody anything in this lifetime. You make yourself by your choices, your decisions, your mistakes, the things that you grow from and you learn from, then you're always the co-architect of your destiny. You're always writing this to yourself. So, you know, for me, I just want to go and learn and experience these things because my path was to always be learning and growing, developing, trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. And then taking these, these lessons that I got, these valuable lessons and saying, how can I share some of these lessons with maybe mm-hmm. people that mm-hmm. 
find benefit from it and being able to extract different things. Hey, we go to go train with us. Yeah. We go train about. We took you up with this person or that person because if you're truly a leader, an Oba or president or whatever, then you need to know a lot of people, and you also mm -hmm. need to have yeah. a very broad. To me, you need to have a very broad portfolio because it takes everybody working together in order to get things done. It may not be the way that I might want to do it, but this other person, that's what they need. So you facilitate that, but you have to be able to step out of judgment. So it's just, it's, 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 it's about how it shows up for each person individually. You know? <laughs> that's no, your, your Ori and your Joto, right? your ancestor that was with you from the beginning before you came, yeah. you know, that is always incarnating through you and guiding you and leading you. Your Joto mm -hmm. takes you to go and to have these different, you know, these different experiences. My Joto took me throughout all, of, all throughout West Africa, as well as multiple places throughout, you know, throughout the Absolutely. world. Absolutely. So Jean Jerome, did you want to take it a little so, bit further so, from there? You said. So, yeah, a follow-up question then. Um, and now you've mentioned Joto. Mm -hmm. The mission of the Joto, mm -hmm. uh, in, in after having, you know, been to uh, West Africa as many times as you have, mm -hmm. after the initiations that you have had, after the being privy to the different forms of divination and the different styles of or methods of worshiping or communicating with the spirit world. And again, for mm -hmm. those who are listening to this broadcast, Ifa or Risa or any of these indigenous belief systems is not a monologue. It's a dialogue because it's a, sure. they all have tools and methods to communicate, have a, a two-way conversation with the divine. Uh, what, how would you define at this stage, you know, after having anybody could argue a really extraordinary journey, a mm. spiritual journey, personal journey. And what I like about you, again, it's not just a spiritual, it's really a, a, a journey of personal growth sure. and, and enlightenment. How would you define your practice and where do you go from here? In other words, uh, you know, as you as you set the stage going uh, towards the future. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Right. The world mm -hmm. is facing you know Im immense challenges. Uh, we've had we have tragic events, uh, and, and mm -hmm. I take this opportunity to say bye bye to a new sunrail for the poor man that was uh, brutally uh, uh, killed by the police in the states in Minneapolis. Our, our, our condolences uh, on behalf of Ancestral Eyes, on behalf of the Consejo Cultural de Canada, for those families and for those people suffering every day with uh, racial um, intolerance and, and violence and, and, yep. and oppression. So our, our sympathies and our, and, our, and our solidarity goes out to them. But in, in these it. very troubled times, in these very troubled times, how do you see the road forward? How do you see you know, how, what is your, how would you define your path of, of worship, of Ifa, Risa? Where do you go from here? Well, it's a, that's another, uh, another fun question to answer. You know, <laughs> one of my teachers told me a long time ago, uh, he said, and, and you know, and this is a, a Taoist perspective. It's not Yoruba or any particular African perspective, but it's both. It's a perspective that certainly applies, I think, to the world. And my teacher always said, the way that can be named is no longer the way. So the minute that you name something a certain thing, then it ceases to be so because you've now fixed it. You've now arrested the natural flow of what something is. So if you say Ifa or whatever, 
you know, from and you're looking at it from that from a you know from a, a, a human perspective. There are certain principles and key insights to what makes Ifa Fa Afa, what makes it what it is. Systems of divination, you know, that are done with Ikin, with Opele, Aaron D. Logun, you know, uh, mirror gazing. You know, there's my experience throughout West Africa. Everybody, depending on what they did, where they had a talking, you know, deities or whatever it is, they refer to everything as Ifa. <laughs> Because Ifa is just considered to be the the voice or the transmitted message of hope for all of humankind. And so whether they were talking to Shango or Obatala or you know Zangbeto or you know any other you know deities that they had, you know, Benin, they've got you know Hindu deities and things like that that they deal with, you know, that were imported there and whatever. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of you know their spiritual practice now and, and different deities from all over the world, Egypt and, and different places they have different mystery schools, different magics. That's all kind of married into and what they are today. But they always called everything Ifa. Every single thing they said he was yeah, it's Ifa. Oh yeah, Ifa says so. I'm like, oh, well, that's not. <laughs> so for me personally, it forced me to not look at what we call Ifa as only one, one viewpoint, one lens. And this is from people throughout all of West Africa, all doing things very differently, but they all called it Ifa. So for me, you know, a lot of like high hold the practice, you know, I teach divination. I teach, work with people about things like dream interpretation, uh, you know, uh, you know, basic levels of divination, you know, uh, you know, different training, in, in the priesthood, you know, and of course, in any time you're working with somebody and things like that, you, you have to tailor the practice to the person, right? So that means you got to be able to see what everybody's skill sets, what their strengths and weaknesses are. Some people are really good and have really good sight, really good vision, their natural yeah. spheres. So I work with them within their, their gifts and, and help them to craft, you know, those mm -hmm. particular things and, and whatever, while still maintaining the integrity of the practice. But it's, you know, so for me, it's fluid. And it's fluid because if I just, like, for example, for myself, I didn't go to one place and just learn Ifa for, like, the last 30 years in this village and whatever. I'm not, like, the lineage hold representative of some town in Nigeria right. where I'm the, right. you know, rep, I'm, their, I'm their, their city rep. You know, that's cool. And then it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not, I'm not putting it down or, or certainly making light of it. I'm just saying that I went to these different places and I got to see that everybody did something different, but they all still called that. So to me, they were still respectfully calling whatever it was that they did, but however different it may be, they still called it Ifa. And when everybody got together, they all respected one another. So for me, I tried to model that same perspective right. over here. My Every right. one of my teachers, every person that I worked with, and when I say teacher, I don't mean like somebody that I was like, I was apprenticed and like, you know, bringing firewood to his house every day and all that other stuff. Like everybody, sh it shows up differently. And these are people I had good friendships with and relationships with. And they would tell me, Baba, you know, before you came to us, <laughs> you already had training in this. You learned this. You learned that. You've gone in these other things. And then now we've taught you how we do this in this place. A aspects of it. doesn't mean I mastered everything. But I mm -hmm. understand the underlying concepts 
of what they mm-hmm. were and, and also specific rituals and things of that nature. And they right. said, take what you have from what you have there and what we've shared with you. Make it your own. As long as you respect the integrity and you right. keep and you keep what we've shared with you, keep it. Keep it the way that we've shared it with you. And when you have questions and if something needs to and, and maybe you don't have something, then divine, check with the thought, check with the answers. As long as you're doing that. All the ancestral spirits that have made what we call collectively as Ifa will be with you and will support you in, in, in keeping the integrity of the practice so long as you stay true. Stay true to being you. Be honest. Don't lie. Don't yeah. cheat. Don't steal. Don't call something something that it's not. All these things, right? Many Odus, Ikao Foon talk about that and so on and so forth. As long as you do that, then, 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 then our forefathers... And what they gave to us will always be with you. And so that's that's what I that's what I seek to model over here. You know, we initiate a lot of people. I've initiated maybe last I checked, I've initiated over five hundred people into the tradition Whoa. across the board. Whether it's a hand uh, into the priest, I've initiated you know fifty some odd people into the priesthood of Ifa. You know, uh, almost forty people into a priest of Orisha. You know, twenty five plus people into a Boni. Into other different, you know, mystery schools and different things. So I mean, I've you know, I've I've, I've worked with a lot of different people, initiated a lot of people. You know, some are here, some remain, some don't. You know, any type of spiritual practice, your time together is what has been ordained for you to be together, and then you know, you fulfilled your contract with that person. So <laughs> that means your that means your work was perf- was was perfectly square. It means your work was true. You do what right. you do with that person. So. You know, I've, 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 I've had that, you know, that blessing and that opportunity to work with a lot of people. And so that's at the that's essence, amazing. that's, that's what I, that's what I seek to model. A lot of people, different backgrounds, you know, we've got some Asian folks and Native American people and East Indian people. And we got a lot of black folks here and black Americans, black Canadians, black Cubans or whatever you want to call them. Everybody here just seeking to be the best human beings that we can possibly be. You know, and 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 trying to model the way that we want others to treat us, you know, in the world. Sometimes somebody showed me something that I didn't know. Oh, you know, bye bye. And this lineage that I was initiating, Condom Blade, we do it like this. Oh, cool, great. You know, yeah, we did that, and okay. Well, so maybe you will specialize you in that particular area, and we'll create uh, we'll create a section for that where you will be the person who is the overseer or leader of those particular mysteries and this and that, so that. Absolutely. These things don't get lost, right? You have to. Right. It's, it's like it's like being a librarian. You have to have all these different people inside the library. So it's like one person's in charge of this data storage. Other person's in charge of this. This this way, information and knowledge doesn't get lost. Absolutely. I'm just writing this down because I think I know who I'm correlating this with. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. You know, I mean. That's really what it comes down to, doesn't it? Is being able to relate to another human being, understanding their individuality, Mm -hmm. accepting the fact that they have an individual path, okay? Because my understanding with Ifa is that I'm allowed to be me and practice my own traditional ancestral roots Mm -hmm. without having been to be told in a dogmatic way that, oh, no, 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 you cannot do this or whatever. No. And I mean, that's the beauty of Ifa, right, is being able to accept that individual belief system within myself and expressing that, 
right? No, and, and, that, and, that, and, that, and that brings some people who feel otherwise. There are some people yeah. who feel that if you do Ifa, that you can only do Ifa, and you can't look at this, you can't be a part of that. And you know, so that's you know, that's again, that's a personal matter. Some exactly. people feel like, hey, listen, you know, uh, when I use mayonnaise in my sandwich, I can only have this type of sandwich when I have mayonnaise. Otherwise, it's all wrong. I don't do that. For some people, they use mayonnaise, they mix it with ketchup, they dip their fry. Oh, it's an ab abomination. We never do that. You know, listen, it's about what the flavor is, is, is the point. Everybody okay. has different taste buds. Okay, Baba, stop with the food references. I'm getting hungry here. <laughs> I was just going to say that reference to mayonnaise and ketchup. My friend who's staying with me, Jocelyn, taught me that dip for my fries. And it's good. <laughs> right. I mean, I've tried it. I mean, you know. You know, there's always a joke in the African-American community, black folks don't eat mayonnaise. That's another sidebar. But and that's why I make the joke. But, uh, you know, <laughs> and my family used to always make that joke all the time, too. But, uh, you know, but my point is, is that some people don't feel, some people do feel that if you do Ifa, you need to keep only to a West African aesthetic and do it right. just the way this right. village does and whatever. And I, and I have a lot of, let me be clear, I have a lot of respect for people who do it in that way. We do yeah. meet people that are wisdom keepers that have a certain way to this very specific thing, this specific skill set, and they keep it just so so that it can Absolutely. be packed in that particular way. Everybody, is, but but that's not everybody's path. Everybody can't. Some people, their mind it just works that way. They can learn. They go to this right. place. They learn, they're not, and it's great. And they do that. Yeah. And we give reverence and grace to those people that can do that. But everybody doesn't necessarily do do it that way. And, and 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 that's 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 okay. Like we're not right. trying to make robots out of each other because if we do that, if no. first if we do that is when people ask me about well, why do you see this about black Americans or African Americans or Afro Canadians, whatever, if we hold that perspective, then we run the risk of of recolonizing ourselves. We run the risk of that. If we say there's only one way of doing things and whatever, then now the enslavement is a mental enslavement that we've inflicted upon right. ourselves. Because we've taken this one viewpoint, and there's lots of people who may say, "Oh, this guy's full of it; he doesn't know what he's talking about." That's cool. That's okay. That's 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 respect for differences. Mm -hmm. but my parents always raised me that whatever it is that you do, just respect what everybody else does. If you don't like that, and I would ask my mom all the time, "Well, mom, how come so and so so and so gets to do it like this?" My mom would say, "Well, I'm not that person's mother; I'm yours. So this <laughs> is how we're going to do it: is X, Y, and Z." So mm -hmm. my thing is, it's okay for every for mm -hmm. some. Who want to do certain things a certain way, and it doesn't mean that somebody's making things up. Like that's what I wanted to see in Africa because I heard a lot of stories throughout the mm -hmm. years. Oh, this guy's thing, like in Spanish, they call it sancocho, right? It's like his gumbo. He's doing a little of this, a little of that, da, 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 all this other stuff all over the place, right? Sometimes they use yeah. it as a way of talking about stupid. Sometimes they use it as like as a slang of saying that somebody's just all over the place. They're just grabbing a bunch of stuff and throwing it in a pot and calling it something different. So I've heard that said with Denny Fa. Oh, this person takes a little of this. He takes a little of that. He's like cherry picking what he likes to right. do and calling his own thing. But when I got to Africa and spent so many trips and went all throughout West Africa, then that means that everybody's guilty of that. If that's true, if that's true, because everybody was some slight nuances, different things, certain, certain deities that they had that were in, that were specific to their family, that nobody else in a different village knew about that. Certain things that mm -hmm. this that you can't do it that way. That's absolutely that deity never takes that. Mm -hmm. So I, I got to see that inside of all these glaring contradictions, <laughs> there was still everybody working with and having this bi-directional relationship with the deities and with the spirits, depending upon 
how their mother and their father and their progenitors taught them how to work with those particular divinities. So it's not that people are just cherry picking. It's that everybody thought West Africa's got a slightly different way. Probably hot peppers in their food. They make taste, honest flavor. Yeah, some people just like no, bye bye. I don't like it. it's too hot. I don't like it like that. We don't make this. We don't do that. Mm -hmm. I, I like that because I wanted to see for myself. Is it true? Yeah. People, many people would say, "Oh, African Americans are lazy. They don't want to do ifa the way the traditional people do it back home and this and that. They want to take shortcuts." Mm -hmm. Is that really true? Let's find out. So I went and I saw. Well, listen, everybody's doing some things differently. But so the really the, the answer was, are you doing it with, with, with integrity? And if you are doing things differently, what is your reason? Nobody can speak for what's going on in somebody else's mind for right. why the reasons are. So to talk to because I wanted to find out for myself. And I documented it. I videotaped every trip I made. I've taken pictures, notes. I, I've got a whole room, all these notebooks here of all my notes throughout the years. Wow. <laughs> Archive. Good for you. Nobody can tell, oh, no, no, that's not true. Oh, really? hold on a second. I met with Bob Bond, so he said, hold on a second. And I quote, X, Y, Z, and so on, so, so on. So what do you say? Oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying. <laughs> Here's a picture. This guy here in logo. Are you sure that's not the right way? Yeah. You know, when you do that, yeah. you know, to me, it shows that you're, that you're somebody who learned and you've seen different perspectives and things. Because, you know, in any spiritual practice, you always will get some people that do things with integrity, and you'll always get some people who try to dupe someone in, in anything that you do in life. So that means the only way you can know is to go Absolutely. and fight. Absolutely. True. I just, I like adventure. So I said, well, let me go out there and go see, you know, what's going on. Let me go talk to these people in this village. And I would go and I'd say, hey, you know, bye-bye. This guy in this other village says, yeah. you never do X this and this and this and this. And this is wrong. Ah, about who said that? Ah, my father did this. You're telling me that my grandfather did this and that. And oh, 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 like so you realize, like these are like touchy topics. Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So after a while, I stopped asking. I just said, let me just go and see what everybody does. I didn't bother to go and tell this person. Well, let this me other walk. Last week, he said you ain't ever supposed to do that. I just kept like this, and I just watched and observed, wrote notes, took pictures. Well, I was okay if I take video. Yeah, go ahead take video, and then now refer to these things and use it to build on it. Because I said, listen, I don't know what I'm going to do with that right now. <laughs> but when I get back home, maybe at some point it'll come in handy. I'll find some use for this information. Yeah, and, and Absolutely. I think, I think it's important as well. It, it, it's it's part of the, the dynamic, living, breathing nature. These are not Mm -hmm. uh, you know traditions that are carved in stone, sure, and remain unchanged through the you know the the, the ages. Uh, we have to understand that for for all of our indigenous belief systems, uh, we're talking about spiritual powers that typically you know fall under five elemental categories: air, fire, water, uh, uh, earth, and also metal, goo, mm -hmm. and that these spiritualities together with the ancestors of each of these traditions, their relationship with those, those vodus or those spirits of nature, sure. those spirits or emissaries of the, of the creator mm -hmm. uh, were different. And yeah. some of those, uh, you know, driven by sometimes the ancestor or the Joto that the person had mm -hmm. and their own experience. So 
you know, it, it, that, that's why even uh, some people don't realize to the extent of the differences that in, in the old days, each town had its own Odu Vifa in Benin and in, in Nigeria. Each would cast an Odu Vifa that would define the Odu Vifa for the town. Sure. Right? And oh, they would have a, a, typically, they would have maybe a few deities or divinities, but there would always be one in particular mm -hmm. that was considered the custodian or the, the protector of the town. Yeah. A, a clear and present example of that is Oshun and Oshobu. Yes. Right? Or, or Oshun mm -hmm. or Shango right. in Oyo. Yes. Right? Where you have one particular ancestor who was in tune with the, the, the energy and the spirit of the, of the primordial Inmale, Inmale, or Jivodun, however you, you define it, depending on where you are, that really led and exemplified the energies and the, and the capabilities of that particular uh, spirit. And they did it, and that, that experience was shaped by their own Joto, their own guiding spirit, and their own life experiences and the mission that they had to to accomplish on, on earth mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that, that's why it's uh, you know all, it's very important to respect all of these things because it, it is the collective experience in the collective mm -hmm. dialogues of all these different towns where you know we find the truth that's why you know Bidi, we say not one person has all the wisdom not all one person has all the knowledge the knowledge and the wisdom was spread throughout all the world and not mm -hmm. just West Africa Sure. Right, because a lot of these traditions, as as you know, much research comes, and there's again much uh, polemic debates and everything else. But many of these traditions, many of these archetypes of spirituality, many of these types of relationships of divination and and communication with the spirit world, you can find them in in old Kemet in Egypt, both uh, Lower Egypt and Upper Upper Egypt. Mm -hmm. uh, you know the areas of of Kemet, Nubia. Uh, under, within the, the group uh, of mariners and traders called the Phoenicians in Mesopotamia, whether it be the Akkadians, the Semitic Akkadians, or the, the Sumerians uh, in Persia, uh, you know, in, in, in current day Iran, uh, in, in uh, Russia. Absolutely. In, you know, among the shamanic people of, of uh, Siberia and other and the Slavic people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. As we have our own Slavic witch here with us, and, and and yeah. the, the truth, and, if, and what's wonderful in my my own experience over these many years, and what really gives me a personal sense of fulfillment and enjoyment, and and satisfaction is to know that when, as Baba says, uh, when I consult Ifa, and when Ifa gives an, an anecdote, a lesson, a message. I can find those archetypes and relate those archetypes to other cultures. Yeah. Right? Yes. You know, and, and we have to respect, even within Ifa, that the, the, the world of the ancestors is, is, is very broad. Absolutely. Right? We're, we're talking about a, a global village which, carry, which has many things in common. We all have to deal with the, with the five elements. We can't escape. That's right. right? And, and, you know, this earth, uh, Mother Earth, Onile, Onilogere, uh, whatever you, you term it, whatever you define it as, um, you know, we will find those archetypes, we will find those relationships, 
and and they they speak to us in any culture. So what what I what I've always found interesting when ifa is practiced truly with a universal spirit, and 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 it can adapt to the land and the and the culture and the ancestry of the person to which ifa is speaking to, then ifa truly is the language of the gods, if you will, right? Because but and and of the ancestors, right? Oyekun Okana says the, the memory of our ancestors are found in the Odus of Ifa. But those ancestors were not all Yoruba. They were Fungwe, they were Congo, they were Mesopotamian, they were Kemetic, they were Siberian, they were European, they were North. And, and that's why you'll find across all these cultures, across all these ancient belief systems, the vestiges and the common elements symbols right that really represent or, or are the proof the 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 footprint of our ancestors right that's certainly been my experience i mean everywhere that i've gone and different places to see things i mean you know and it's certainly not to take away from ifa or orisha i'm not taking anything away from what's done in, in west africa or other places where they might call it different things you know even in the uh in the islamic system they have a system they call ramil Yes. The, the, the sand cutting that they use where they mark different signs in the sand and they do divination and rather than doing like Ebo, what the Yoruba call Ebo, make sacrifice, they may chant verses, different uh, different surah from the Quran with the mala, with the, the, the prayer beads a certain number of times as their, their, as their version of making Ebo and things like that. Combined sometimes with sacrifice to kill a ram or whatever, but also it's, there's 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 certain prayer or, or dua that they use when they're doing different prayers inside those systems and whatever. You go to Mali, they have different things, you know, different cultures. You know, you've got you know some people talk about Anunnaki and Samaria, all these different things. But my my point, what I'm saying is that you know I certainly you know have found that to be uh, the case that. When people are trying to do things with integrity, with, with with good character, and really being connected with what the spirit of whatever the practice is, spirit of Ifa, the spirit of Romula, you know, or whatever you want to call it. Like, for example, some Orisha that we know of as Orisha today, right? Or, or, or Romula, or depending upon what we're talking about, some verses in Ifa. If you're talking about, say, Shongo or Matala or whatever, Rumila. Orumila is, the, is the, the, the spirit of wisdom, right? Orumila. Heaven knows my destiny, right? So that's the spirit of destiny. But there are also verses inside of Ifa that talk about people that when they were alive were known as the Orumila of their time or the Shango of their time. Or it was one of those, certain people had certain abilities, certain gifts, certain skills, okay. certain metaphysical powers or magical abilities that people call, ah, this person Shango, ah, he's this and that. So are we talking about the deity or are we talking about the person who was the, the living embodiment of that? So my, my ancestor, essentially a deified ancestor. Ancestor, right? Yeah. So when we're looking at things like what we referred, you know, one of my master teachers told me these are things like totems. So we're talking about uh, this person, hey. the, 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 the turtle came to Ifa. The Ajapa came to Ifa because he was having this issue with so and so. They consulted Babalao. Babalao said he can do this and this and this, make a sacrifice of this many roosters, this many bottles of gin, and so on and so forth, right? So, okay. 
So we know that some of these verse, some things have changed. So we know there's been some evolution, but there's totems inside of these verses and, and these animals, the, the number of things that are being asked for, the way the evil is being asked for, the way the verse is, is, is spoken about tells us additional hidden or unknown occult knowledge inside of what's happening, inside of what Ifa says, uh, what we need to do ritually for the person. So those who are priests have gone more deeply into the, the awo or the secret of what that particular right. thing is. So for example, so how do we apply that here in North America, where we live? For example, you say, okay, we have blue jays. <laughs> blue jays are not indigenous to West Africa. These are things that are like in North America. So when we pray to Odisha, when we pray to the, the these deities, mm -hmm. and we have different signs and symbols and different totems that come out, what happens if you're a traditionally praying priest and you only know the Yoruba way and a blue jay shows up in the middle of some ritual you made to this particular deity, but it wasn't the bird or this animal that you're used to seeing this totem in West Africa, but in West Africa, you know, okay, when I make this Oturameji, Oturameji says we're going to have this moth or this butterfly comes out and so on and so forth. There's a sign from Olojimare that this prayer is being answered. So what happens now? You're in another land and now the animals and the totems through which nature itself she speaks to us are not found where you live. How do you know that Ifa, the Joto, that the Most High is talking to you if you only know how to interpret things in one way. So any spiritual practice that you're engaged in should be teaching you how to take whatever it is that they're giving you, understand the principle of it, and be able to know how it works when you find yourself somewhere else. Because Baba Laos these days travel all around the world. Always like right. Baba Laos. Right. Baba Laos from Benin, from, from Togo, this right. and that. They travel to Brazil, they travel to Colombia, they go to Cuba, this and that and the other. So, so what happens when you're in a different place? See, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that you have to, everybody at the court, everybody there knows how to interpret these things. It's just a matter of whether or not everybody else here is told this because people here in the diaspora are very religious. People want to be told it's only like this, it's only like that, because it affirms this sense of control, which in and of itself is an illusion. <laughs> no one has control of anything anyway. Most of us can't control you know, what our thoughts are from day to day, mm -hmm. all these things, none of us have control. So anybody who thinks that they're in control, you're already engaged in a form of self-delusion, right? That's Maya, right? Or you can call that in the Buddhism, that's Maya, right? So the world, the room of illusion. So that's, those are like things that like different teachers would share with me like, hey, you know, you got to take a look at what you have over there because there'd be times that certain things would show up or certain manifestations of spirit that was like, well, when I did this ritual in West Africa or in Togo, <laughs> this thing happened. But what happens now when something's different? Does that invalidate the ritual? Does that make it not so? No. Because Oturupameji, from Yoruba Ifa, Oturupameji talks about Oyepulu, talks about a person who had been initiated to Ifa by his father. His father took him back and forth to Ilaife to go perform festivals and ceremonies and so on. This is like the Cliff Notes version of it. Mm -hmm. So his father passed away. The story says, mm -hmm passed away before he had a chance to train him deeply in Ifa. And so then now the time came for him to go perform his yearly supplications at the temples in, in Ifa and Torisha. And now he didn't know what he was supposed to do. Was he supposed to give palm oil? Was he supposed to give gin, coconut, or rogbo? Which animal? He 
Jesús. So he started breaking tears mm -hmm. right. And he said, Ethiopian swallower, a la pendede, came and, and the voice of the ancestors said, all those who are doing things in the spirit of sincerity, that mm -hmm. all your prayers must be accepted. So that's why many times in classical Ifa, many Babalawos or Bokono, whatever you want to call them, Awos, Onishish, Onishigun, whatever you want you wish to call, you know, uh, Onifas, they will chant that verse because they're calling upon all the ancestors of the land and of those who shared any knowledge with them to make corrections in case there's any errors, anything that they've missed, okay. anything they made a mistake, anything they maybe forgot awesome. inside the ritual, realizing that the spirit of the ancestors through their sincerity is going to see to it that what they're doing is going to manifest and it's going to be just so. So the key takeaway Absolutely. is what? The takeaway is be sincere. Don't fake the funk. As long as you're being yeah. sincere about things and you're doing things from that mindset, Absolutely. then you're going to get the support from the spirit realm and from the deities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alex De La Vega says, what Odu was that? That's Otrupamegi, Ologbomegi. Otrupamegi. Mm-hmm. Otrupamegi, okay. All right. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit now about, um, I don't know, are there any more questions or is there anything that uh, Baba Fasaye wants to say or Jean-Jerome? Uh, do you have anything more that you want to say? Because I want to talk about a little bit, just kind of go a different little path if we can. Yeah, go, let's go a little di a different little path, and then I, I'll I'll read something uh, which uh, something that Baba Fasi said earlier uh, reminded me of, and uh, for the benefit of the but but go ahead, go into the different direction for a moment. Okay, all right. So <clears throat> I don't know if anybody's noticed, but we at Ancestral Eyes have gotten our own logo. Okay, and this logo is presented as we see here. It is a um, it's a black widow spider or a representative of a black widow spider, but within her, okay, the symbology and what she represents um, is what we're about at at ancestral eyes. Okay, so first of all. I had a dream, and in that dream, the mothers came to me, and they had told me specifically, it has to be a spider, mm -hmm. and it has to be the the black widow spider because of her colors, mm -hmm. the black and the red, okay? And right away, as soon as I, I, I saw that, I was like, okay, that is a shoe, all right? Yes, but it's also the Iami. It's a representative of the EME, the colors, plus to me, the grandmother spider. That's mm. how I see it. And when you think about the spider and the web that she weaves, she integrates the entire world. Okay. She is like Mother Earth in that sense, right? She's grandmother spider. So we've got the colors. There's the two. Now, I don't know if you can sort of, can you enlarge it a little bit, Jean-Jerome, so we can kind of yeah, take a look at it so we can. Give me one second. This one is particular to us, and, and when I say us, meaning Canada, okay? Mm -hmm. Because this spider, the, the 
Black Widow here in Canada, which I don't know if some people know or not, but I was bit by a Black Widow spider and had a near-death experience by our very own Canadian Black Widow spider. And I don't know if you can notice, but she is, she's a little bit different than other uh, spiders. Her appendages, her legs, she's got stripes of red as well as black. And that is, that pertains specifically to the Canadian, to the Canadian Black Widow. I think her name, uh, the Latin name is something Aurora, Mactans, et cetera, et cetera, right? So anyway, so that is particular to us. So we thought, okay, so we're going to put that little Canadian flag or, or the emblem, the, the maple leaf there at the top. Um, and the two eyes, the two Kauru shells of, you know, Ifa, right? The divination of Ifa, but also the two primordial snakes of creation within her body. And we know that within the body of the Black Widow, it's an hour-shaped, a red hour-shaped figure. While the two snakes, like I said, are the snakes of creation, sky and earth. And then the, the, the weaving pattern in within between the snakes, that's the ancestral link, all right? And as I was talking to Jean-Jerome earlier today about, it kind of looks almost like a rune. And what what rune was that, did you say, Jean-Jerome? So, so the red is, is uh, from a uh, rune from the Norse mythology, the Futhark, uh, which is called Dagaz. And the Dagaz means, uh, has a symbology of daylight, dawning, awakening, realization, enlightenment. And and the right. pole or the, the 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 image in the middle again is a is a symbology of the the tree of life, or in the Yoruba, the Iroko, right mm-hmm. tree where the, it is said that the ancestors and the divinities come back and come go back and forth, and on the uh, Vodun side in full way they call Loko, Loko, which is the tree the Iroko tree, which is a divinity in itself. Where you know, uh, and that symbolism is found. The tree of life is found in the Anunnaki in Sumeria. The uh, also the in the Norse mythology, in the the, the great Celtic tree. People. Yeah, the Celtic. So, so the the it is believed that the ancestors, the divinities, including the mothers, all descend through that central image. Right. Wonderful. Right. Exactly. So that kind of explains our logo. I love her. I think she's awesome. I love the elegance of the Black Widow spider. She is, she's deadly, and yet she's very elegant and eloquent. That's how I look at her, all right? Now, we also have our own logos because, as we were mentioning a little bit earlier um, in our conversation where I was, you know, getting a little carried away with the NAFTA of IFA, <laughs> I wanted to look at the different uh, logos of, of our our, our uh, union, our strategic relation, relationships that we have formed here in North America, okay? So we talked about ours. Now, um, as far as Jean-Jerome, do you want to talk a little bit about the Conseil? Um, oh, the, the Conseil, uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm just going to – give me two seconds. That is true. That is true. Just replying to one of our audience. Okay. Um, so yeah, the 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 turtle 
Hayapa is very sacred to the Yoruba. Mm -hmm. It's a sacred to different Orisha, everything from Osainin to um, uh, Shango. Uh, and it also is representative of uh, what, you know, the many cultures, including the First Nations of this country or this, this continent, called Turtle Island. Right. So the idea was they bring the symbologies of, of Ifa and their adaptive and their adaptation into the North American context, as we were saying, mm -hmm. um, with the elements or the tools of the Babalao or Ifa, like the Irukere, the Irofa, mm -hmm. um, the single symbol of Ogboni, uh, to represent that we, we practice Ifa, Orisha, and indigenous worship of Ogboni here. Uh, and again, the, the shared uh, maple leaf to show we're in, definitely in Canada and that we, we also uh, have the eyes of the cowrie shells, not just representative of the Orisha or Ifa, uh, but also as, as a portal or the eyes, symbolic of the eyes of the ancestors of this land as well, right? To respect that the ancestors, no matter where Absolutely. you are, they're always watching. And uh, yeah, that's basically the, the the major symbology of uh, of the of the tortoise uh, that we have. Baba uh, Fasi, for your uh, symbol, the chameleon, can you yeah. talk a little bit about the importance yes. of the chameleon? <laughs> uh, the chameleon is uh, considered sacred inside of uh, inside the tradition. Uh, you know, obviously, we all know chameleon can can take on any color or can you know can, mm -hmm. can change its appearance in order to fit in with wherever it finds mm -hmm. itself adaptive it's, it's adaptive so we use that to represent the uh the respectful fluidity of our practice and the ability to blend in wherever it is that we where that what one finds themselves so you know also chameleons also sacred to obatala obatasa obatarisha uh, Obatala is a, it's a very a very sacred uh, uh, totem of Obatala. Some people also say uh, to say that uh, it's it's also can show up with some totems with things with the locum. You know, it's different types of medicines and things that are used inside of Ifa that use uh, that use chameleon. You know, as mm -hmm. as medicine. Uh, you know, medicine for protection and things of that nature. Uh, it also uh, Chameleon is also uh, considered to be a totem that can also show up inside of Oboni as well, of which you know we uh, we have a, you know, we we have a functioning Oboni you know fellowship and federation uh, of which I'm the spiritual leader of uh, here in North America as well. And so the we so the, in other words the the chameleon uh, you know shows up uh, in 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 this an art symbol. And our logo to represent the totality of all these all these practices together. So you know, Ifa, you know, Orisha, Ogboni, you know, all those things. You know, it it, it can show up uh, as a sacred uh, sacred symbol or a sacred totem uh, that we use. So that's why we refer to our temple as Ili Allah Orisha, Allah Orisha Temple. Because it, it's it's we're, we're talking about the light, so mm -hmm. we want to be good keepers. Uh, we want mm -hmm. to be light bearers. 
in the in, in this world that we live in today. That's right. So that's that's why we, that's why we, we pair these things together. Even inside of Boboni, we have totems, we talk about things with the light and so on and so forth, you know. Uh, I'm the Ari mm -hmm. of our our association or the president general of our of our Oboni uh, fellowship that we have here. And so, you know, we take a lot of these teachings and, and kind of pair them together to see, you know, uh, you know, in different things that you belong in, inside of Ifa, Orisha, Oboni, depending on what it is that you're part of, then we go more deeply into some of the esoteric, you know, meanings and understandings behind those things. So the, it's, mm -hmm. it's the community just happened to show up one time. We were trying to figure out what we wanted to use for a logo, and then <laughs> wow, we happened to find a you know there happened to be a chameleon, you know, going by the house, walking along the fence. I said, ah, that's that's the there sign. you go, there we go. So that's so that's 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 what they that's what the the deities want us to use, <laughs> and so it's stuck. It's stuck ever since. The yeah, dotum animal of the land, right? Yeah, within Vodun, uh, the, the chameleon is, is, is called Segbo Lisa. Mm -hmm. uh, so Lisa being uh, in in Cuba, they they, uh, mm -hmm. they sing or they have the equivalency of Lisa with Obatala. Mm -hmm. So they say Obatalisa. Obatalisa means Segbo Lisa. Mm. So there's also, again, showing the, the universality of the totem, yeah. as Baba Fasi is saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and I think, do you have the logo for Baba Nelson too, Jean Jerome? Yeah, it's there. It's it's the green. Uh, if our world conference, he's uh, used the uh, the symbol is, is of, uh, of the open father green one, the green one, the green yeah. one there. Yeah, this one here, uh, again uh, symbolizing the open Ifa, and for believers, open Ifa represents uh, um, the world. And uh, you know, in, in, in it is represented all the mysteries and the healing, and uh, the ebbos and the divination is done. Uh, every ceremony for Babalao is mostly done on Oponi Vifa because it represents the world. It's our microcosm, spiritual microcosm of the world. Correct. And mm -hmm. um, so he has other, you know, symbology there, like Eya, uh, uh, Oro. He he has. Also, I believe a chameleon there as well, mm -hmm. and and the opele, mm -hmm. uh, and the the head on the top of the opon is, is usually indicative of eshu, yes. uh, which is uh, an essential mm -hmm. part of our belief. The the universal messenger, the uh, mm -hmm. carrier, of, uh, one who carries the ashe, who who distributes mm -hmm. the ashe, who communicates and and takes a bow and our prayers to the divinities and from the mm -hmm. divinities, the results and the efficacy back to the realm of the earth. Uh, in the middle, this is from our, our friend, uh, family member, uh, Bokono Daniel Dafoji, uh, who was initiated in, uh, in Abome uh, as a Bokon de uh, Fagbasa. Uh, the, the symbol in the middle represents an ancestral asen, which is uh, basically a staff uh, that is representative of calling the ancestors and, and almost like an altar and a, a, a spiritual uh, focal point of the ancestors. Uh, we have a similar symbology in um, the, Osa the Osanyin staff, uh, the also um, uh, other, other symbology within the Osun staff. 
uh, and so forth. Uh, for instance, when with Babalaos or any initiation to Bodu, you have the Osu, Opa Osu, uh, that which is used. And again, it shows the, the that universal symbol uh, to channel, to, to represent the authority uh, of the ancestors, the authority of Ifa, the authority of the divinities, or in the case of Osain, the authority of Osain, to, to do mm -hmm. the, the ceremonies to carry out the mysteries that are going to be uh, carried out. And uh, uh, the Vodun Fa, again, represents the practice of Vodun Fa. And uh, Abomale is actually Daniel's uh, Joto, uh, with which he's been basically uh, in uh, having transpossession for 40 years now. His anniversary was wow. this. And again, the uh, Eku is a sacred symbol for Ogboni, sacred symbol even for Ifarisa, and for the Vodun. It's a sign of kingship. It's a sign of the ancestors. Um, it, it has many mysteries. Ekun has many mysteries, very associated also with, with Orumila as well. Mm -hmm. As many, many, many aspects. And it, it really, again, shows kingship, authority, ancest ancestral uh, authority as well. And uh, I'm just going to shrink this and move it over. And then I'm going to pull up a different one since we're unveiling logos. And so people can see the, the different organizations. And again, for people watching, uh, this represents a grouping of uh, many Babalaos, Olorisha, Elegum, uh, Apetibifa, uh, you know, from different walks of life, from different cultures, different backgrounds and everything else. So um, allow me one second. And I'm going to introduce a very special logo for our very own Slavic witch. Yay. That's me. <laughs> so I was formerly known as the Crone's Corner. Okay. Um, I was acknowledging my cronehood, this stage of my life. Okay. But at the same time, I said, you know what? I'm honoring my own ancestral roots. I'm at, I'm honoring my ancestral Joto. And I decided to call myself the Slavic witch. Wonderful. So from here on, in, which I love it. There's a little bit of a story to this. Um, today we were making the changes mm -hmm. and on Facebook, uh, Jean-Jerome assisted me because I am not tech savvy at all. Okay. So Jean-Jerome turned around and he said, okay, well, I'll change the name for you. And, and, and as he's saying this, he says, it'll take about three days or so. And I said, oh, okay. Within 60 seconds, my name went from the Crohn's Corner to the Slavic Witch like that. And I said, Jean-Jerome, that means <laughs> this is a blessing by the ancestors for sure that this is the path of this is what I'm to be called. So Jean-Jerome was kind enough to actually design this for me. And we were talking about it in the uh, last couple of days or so. And I was giving him sort of ideas of what I wanted to do or, or, or where I'm, I'm going with this because it represents right smack in the middle, that image, if you could sort of, blow it up a little bit. It's Yemoya. But okay. it's Yemoya as she is represented it represented in the Slavic 
tradition as the mermaid that holds the sword, and she is the representative for Varshava, for the city of Warsaw, okay? And as soon as I saw that, I was just like, oh, my God, I love it. And, and just everything about her and, and just the, the, you know, the lettering all around her, I was just in awe. But my eye turned to the left, and I saw the woman, the bird woman, okay? And that, in Slavic culture, the Russian, it, it, I forget what her name is, Ye, uh, something Yemekun. I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but anyway, I can go into more detail and put it up on my own uh, Facebook page and go into more of the details. But that is also representative of the EME. Okay. And the thing is too, that, that, that is an Oracle. So she represents the one who is a prophet and she brings forth messages as well. And then when we go over to the complete other side, those two deities is Velish and Perun. And if you kind of look at their colors, it sort of represents a shoe at the same time. Velish is the horned one, and he is also the god of vegetation. He is a representative of Osayin. He does the magical herbs. He is he's also part of Iami in that sense, but he's also um, the one that brings forth the, the, the darker aspect, okay? Then on the other side, we have Perun, who obviously is, is lighter in color, but he is lightning. He is fire, okay? And so he's, they're completely opposite. And that kind of really reminds me of Eshu can be that way, right? But if you look at um, within Velus himself, he also has the egg and a snake. And of course, that has a lot of meaning to me, right? Um, through the things that we've been talking about in the last few days. But I just love that 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 symbology completely opposite one another. I just loved it. It was sort of that male and female balance, right? And then right at the top is a picture of me, okay, in my witchy costume, all right? It's going to be changed. I, I have a feeling I know where, I, where I'm going with that, but I, I love it anyway. It's, it's always been one of my favorite pictures of myself as a witch, right? <laughs> but the one directly below, okay, now that, okay, I know people are going to laugh, all right, but that is okay sasquatch bigfoot the yeti the russian yeti is known as the mink they're the tall giant people who live in the forests in siberia in particular to where my joto is from in the place that i believe it was the dietlov incident that took place in 1959 and from that part of Siberia, we have the Kant people, the Mansi people, and they honor this as an ancestor because he is the forest. He represents the forest spirits, okay? So to me, that is, a, is representative of him. So when Jean Jerome put this all together, I was just like, honest to God, he floored me. I just went, oh, 
Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I loved it. I immediately loved it. And I said, well, that's me. That's the Slavic witch. And that's what all of those symbols represent to me. So yeah. uh, this is my big, great unveiling. And I thank you very much, Jean Jerome, for doing that for me and for me to be able to talk about that. No problem. No problem. Baba Fasi, it's been a, a pleasure to have you with us on Ancestral Eyes. Uh, I thank you first for our, our long friendship for these many years, uh, for being there in the good times, the bad times, and the social times, <laughs> and uh, for your loyalty, for your integrity, uh, for your knowledge, for your experience, mm-hmm. and uh, for being a, a, a friend, a brother, and a mentor. And so thank you very much for, and that you know, and that everybody in our in our combined community knows that you have with you the full support of the Consejo Cultural Yoruba de Canada, of the uh, Slavic Witch, of Bokono uh, Daniel's Vodunfa community, community in, in Uruguay, of uh, Baba Nelson's the Far World Conference, and uh, the, the the research group of 17 Babalaos and the lineage from, from Lagos. And that, uh, you know, we, we like to lead by example. And we, we, as we, we said earlier, it's not about having absolute control or, or no. you know, trying to run the show or dictate how things are done within a belief system, but to show a lead by example, yeah. by respect, by heart and intention uh, from the support of the ancestors, support of the Orisha, support of the Bodhi, support of the spirit world, and the Olodumari or Mau, whatever name of the creator one would like to use, depending on the lineage. Mm-hmm. And that we, we respect and we celebrate our differences. And, but more importantly, that we provide for those that are seeking guidance and looking for their own truth, and to discover the mission of their ancestors, the mission of their Odi, their destiny, mm-hmm. uh, that they can find a safe, warm, uh, welcoming environment uh, among you know the family of of, of mm-hmm. Egbert that represented here, and that they know that we respect each other, and if we are together, it is because Absolutely. of that shared respect and uh, and love and uh, and um, desire to help humanity. As Baba Laos, both Baba Fazi and I swore to help humanity, to save humanity wherever we could. Sure. Saving humanity doesn't mean you put a, a, a you know, a, a, a stranglehold on anyone, but it, it's that you support them and that you really try to seek the spirit of Ifa, mm-hmm. the spirit of the universal message uh, to try to help those people to live the best life that they can, the best destiny that they can for themselves, for their children, for their families and their communities. Mm-hmm. So thank you again, Baba Fasiye, for joining us. Over to you, Teresa. Thank you. Yeah, for having me here. It's thank you a- very much, Baba Fasiye. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. It really was. Learned a lot. I'm always about learning. So. Me as well. I hope everybody else got a chance to to learn. And 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 my friend Claire, what does she have to say? All logos are awesome with such special meanings. And yes, Teresa, love your logo. Thank you to to you all as usual. Very interesting. Bless you all. Thanks, Thank Claire. You.
Thank you, Claire. Thank, Thank you, you to everybody. Everyone who's everybody who tuned in. Absolutely. Thank you so much. To Balafase, if you'd like to say something to the your the ELAD and to you know the community. I just wanted again just say thank you. Thank you both for having me here. It's great to, you know, be able to have an opportunity to, you know, to share. You know, there's always a lot of talk, always people, you know, and anything we do what we're passionate about, we all have, you know, differing perspectives and viewpoints about things. It's always nice to be able to have an opportunity to have a platform to be able to speak your own narrative, you know, of what your what you know what are what my experience Absolutely. So my background is some of my heritage and, and things like that, places I've been able to go and, mm -hmm. and things that I've been able to experience. So, you know, I'm grateful for being able to have an opportunity to, you know, to share a little bit, give a little bit of my background and just, you know, have opportunities to be able to connect with, you know, fellow, you know, practitioners and devotees and worshipers of, you know, different backgrounds and, and things mm -hmm. like that. You know, it's always mm -hmm. important to be able to do so. So, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, for, you know, for my, my wife and children, my family, and, uh, and thankful to my, my ancestors, my Joto, and all the Arishas who've guided me and assisted me in, uh, in, in fulfilling and living my, my destiny. You know, Ifa says, you okay. know, no one, can, no one can bury another person's destiny. No one can bury another man or woman's destiny. Okay. And, you know, uh, okay. you know, on the shoulders of my ancestors and the people who've come before me. That made it possible. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for you know all the priests and priestesses and the chiefs in our temples, Absolutely. our ELADs and and and, and uh, inside of our Ifa Orisha temples and the students and people who've been with me. You know we have students who've been we've been together for over ten years and people we've been together for a long time. So you know I'm grateful. You know and definitely extend uh, fraternal greetings to all the brethren and uh, you know here mm -hmm. our global community as well. So. Again, just want to say thank you and uh, grateful for this opportunity. Looking forward to, you know, making more friendships, making more connections with people. Uh, you know, if anybody needs to reach me or anything like that, I think you know we've seen from the logo yep. people can reach me. Uh, I think the you know my my uh, my website's up there for anybody who's interested in you know connecting, you know, and uh, having further communication, things of that nature. You know, I'm always available to answer questions or dialogue or things like that with with good people. So I always preface that, you know, people can decide how they show up for that, but we're always here to connect with good people. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Most time. Now, you still need for this today. Ashe. Ashe. Absolutely. Now, Jean Jerome. So before we forget, because we've done that before, next week, who do we have for our next week's guest? Well, I will let you do the, the introduction. Uh, we have our... I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Give me one second. Hold on. I wrote it down because I asked you earlier, and then I went, oops. Hold on. Larissa Orshak Koronowski. Yes. My friend Larissa Orzak Koronowski. She is a Siberian Tuva shamaness. Oh, I look forward to her. And I, I ask everybody to tune in next week. Again, we have another great guest. So with that, I want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in. I appreciate everybody 
tuning in and joining us. Um, I'm I'm loving these shows myself. I get to interview interesting people, get to meet new people, get to talk deeper with some of my Facebook friends, right? And um, I love it. So I want to thank everybody and have a wonderful weekend that's coming up. And everybody, everybody, please stay safe, okay? Take care of one another. Be kind to one another, all right? And uh, may God bless. All right. Take care. Odabu. 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 Odabu.